Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the Sports Animals, on ESPN Honolulu. The Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth. Chris will be with us a little bit later this morning, and uh, it is finally Super Bowl week. Got a lot of coverage all week long leading up to the big game coming up this Sunday. Less than a week away. I like the sound of that. What a weekend it was. So many big events going on locally, nationally, you name it, and we are going to cover it. Let's start with some headlines, Tanner. And I, I guess the first one, and you almost almost forgot about it, but I could, of course, is that spring practice starts for the University of Hawaii football team in about 57 minutes from now. I know that's something you and I both look forward to, Chris, as well, and many fans do. It is open to the public, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm not sure of the time. I'll check it probably at the same time, but spring practices here. I have a lot of interest in a lot of positions. Maybe the quarterback could, quarterback spot could be the top one. I'm not sure about you, but also the run and shoot, getting a, a full look this spring. That's going to be fun, isn't it? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot, like you said, a lot of places to look at. There's a pretty full quarterback room that looks like it's going to be full of competition. Uh, there's a couple of new guys in the tight end room. Both of the Kamaka Viva Ole brothers are making the move from linebacker to tight end to fill out that room. Uh, with the loss of Jordan Murray and Caleb Phillips. Um, the wide receiver room is looking pretty fun. If you want to look at the roster, the spring roster is up now on Hoy Athletics in case you want to catch up. A couple of guys are changing numbers, so be sure to make <laughs> sure that you got their new numbers down. Like I saw, Tylen Hines is moving down to the single digits with uh, number two there. So wow. make sure you check up on those number changes. And, yeah, you know, if you have that free time this week from 7 to 9, go ahead Go down there. I know they appreciate it whenever they see fans watching them. It sh- it probably helps them bring up a little bit more of a competitiveness in them as well. So you'll be yeah. helping them. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Looking to see what, what comes out of it. There will be no spring game, as we mentioned last week. Timmy Chang just wanted to focus on the spring practices and getting the run and shoot instilled. They do have 15 practices. I'm not sure if it's the exact same schedule for next week. They can break it up any way they want. But I did see that article by Stephen Tsai uh, about the, uh, the changing of positions with some players, as you mentioned, for the tight end spot. Um, Travis Sims' son will now be a tight end as well. Forgetting his first name right now, but a couple of players moving around. I didn't know Landon. about. Uh, yeah, I didn't know about Ty Hines with the number change though. Uh, that is interesting though. Uh, that's you know that's really coveted. I didn't realize that till years ago. And I remember Rich Miano was an assistant coach was in charge of issuing numbers, and he was saying how people really like those single digit numbers. They are exclusive, I guess. But, yeah, pretty cool that spring practice is back, and I, I am really interested to see what comes out of that. I did see, I'm not sure if you saw this, if you, uh, unless you saw yesterday's article again by Stephen, but Timmy Chang will be meeting with June Jones in about a week or two. 
in Texas to just get more knowledge of the run and shoot as far as the coaching perspective. I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, not only that, but uh, Roman Sapolu, the new run game coordinator, getting tips from uh, Dennis McKnight to be helping more on these run and shoot uh, blocking schemes and all that stuff. So a lot of these coaches and players as well are using a, a lot of really great outside sources to get more in tune with the run and shoot so that they can, you know, come out and just really, you know, punch a lot of these teams in the face that aren't really expecting us. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Go out and support the boys, 7-9. to nine. Uh, Was it Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday this this week? Yes, and I believe Saturday as well. I have to double-check on the time for Saturday. But I know it's Monday. The day you said it's 7 o'clock, yeah. Yes, on the grass field, cook field, and all that good stuff. So definitely excited for that early spring practice. And I guess our second – we could go on about spring practice all day, actually. Uh, the second headline, I guess our – or my – or our – National nightmare is kind of over. Kyrie Irving is gone. Some of the headlines in New York are Kyronara. Uh, take, uh, i got to get a few of them. There were some really clever ones there. But uh, I guess good riddance is what you could say. I, I am wearing my Kyrie Irving shirt for the last time that says Brooklyn Nets on it. Another one headline is you can mav him, him going to the Dallas Mavericks. You know, it, it's too bad he had to go, but he did have to go. And the Nets, I think actually in a way Kyrie might have done the Nets a favor because if they, if he would have gotten, well, he didn't get traded by the trade deadline. He was going to be a free agent. They get nothing in return. They now get something in return. There was talk he might have sat out the rest of the season. So, wow, and I read that as well. So, I guess, again, a good riddance as a Nets fan. I'm sad I never got to see him play as a Net. There is a positive, though. I'm looking at one slight positive, Tanner, and here it is. I believe with Kyrie Irving gone, the ticket prices will drop. And I'm going back east uh, next month, and I'm deciding on what Nets game I'm going to see, probably against Cleveland. I would think the prices will drop. And if for some reason Kevin Durant gets traded, which I hope they don't do that deal, but then the prices will drop more. So the only positive is that maybe my ticket price will be a little cheaper. Yeah, I was going to say, I think <laughs> the, with this trade for the Dallas Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets, obviously the slight winner here is the, are the Mavericks a little bit because they do get a guy in Kyrie Irving. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, now you have two ISO ballers on the same team. Yeah. What are you going to do? The exact same thing that every team does whenever they, quote-unquote, get two ISO ballers on the same team. It never really feels like that becomes a real issue in a lot of NBA teams. But the thing is going to be is how is this going to affect Luka's, you know, full effect of, you know, having the ball a lot. I think a lot of people play up how much Luka has the ball with the Dallas Mavericks. I think this is going to help them because it makes Luka not have to be scoring option number one every single night. And obviously that takes a toll not only on your body, that takes a toll on your mind. I think this is going to be very benefit, a, be, a very beneficiary trade for the Dallas Mavericks. And you look at the Brooklyn Nets, yeah, that 2029 first-round pick just feels like a joke. But at the same time, getting back Spencer Dinwiddie, a really solid role player in the NBA, and a solid guy in Dorian Finney-Smith, if Kevin Durant comes back healthy and he decides to stay and he doesn't get traded, I think this team can, you know, they probably won't make the same run as they would have had right, if, right, if with, right. like, a healthy Kyrie and a uh, healthy KD. It's not like they're tanking. That's that's the main thing for Brooklyn Nets fans, a.k.a. Gary Dickman. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. I, total, I, I totally agree. I, I, you, know, you know, for the one of the first, the first round pick, 
I read in one article that was 2029, another article 2022, which it can't be, I guess, because that was last year. So I guess it's not coming up this year. And I guess so a typo, uh, 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 contradicting numbers there. But they got something in return. Now, apparently the Lakers and maybe even Phoenix offered more. The reports out of New York are that Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, said he did not want them dealing Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. He preferred it strongly. So even though the Lakers trade might have been better, or the offer might have been better, they didn't go that route. And Phoenix, with Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and I think one first-rounder, the Nets supposedly asked for three. They never made a counter uh, after that either team to go maybe in the middle. But that might not have been a bad deal. But Dallas makes the move, and Mark Cuban tweeted out today with a pretty long statement saying how, you know, he's worried about teams like the Lakers got him. They'd be really, really good. And a lot of people, as you like you said, Tanner, thinks this could put Dallas over the hump. They're the sixth seed right now. But one of the things I think interesting, as you also said about Luka and Kyrie coexisting, think about this, you and everybody. Uh, he did it with LeBron James, and isn't LeBron James sort of similar to Luka in that aspect where he needs the ball, he's almost a point forward like Luka is? So if you look at it that way, Kyrie did pretty well with LeBron. That's what I think Dallas is banking on, if they can coexist the way LeBron and Kyrie did. With both guys need the ball, but both guys were pretty successful in Cleveland. And Kyrie's already done it before very recently, too, with James Harden and Kevin Durant. Mm, right. When James Harden was a Brooklyn Net, James Harden became actually a really good point guard in that system right. where he did average a lot of assists, you know, in what, the three games that he was with in Kyrie Irving. seemed like that. But, you know, I think with Kyrie, he knows his role in the team. He's not like a selfish player. Uh, the person, you know, we can make yeah. all, all the grand statements we want. But as a player on the court, I think for the Dallas Mavericks, this is a big move, and I think it's going to be a really great move down the line once he and Lucas start to really get, you know, synchronized on the court. One thing to watch, and Mark Cuban again in his tweet said, if we didn't think we could get him to extend, meaning an extension contract, because he is a free agent still after the season, they probably wouldn't have made the deal. But let's say Kyrie becomes, becomes Kyrie, and he says, well, I'm not signing here next year. I'm going to go to the Lakers. I wouldn't put it past him just knowing that he's not very reliable off the court with anything. So I don't know about that, but right now, uh, for the present, the Dallas Mavericks are a much improved team. A couple of the headlines are the net mayor is over, Byrie, uh, a few other clever ones in there. Well, much more on the Kyrie Irving deal coming up a little bit later in the show as well. Third headline, this is good news. I, it was a very good weekend in a lot of areas. The UH men and the Rainbow Wahine basketball teams both win on Saturday, coming back from Thursday losses for both. For the Rainbow Wahine, they beat Cal Poly 80-58. to Callan Spiller was the leading scorer. Four players in double figures in that game. They really came out. Missed the first shot of the game and then hit nine in a row after that. Had a 22-4 to run to open things up. That was great. And for the men, we talked about it on Friday, how it was a very important game against a bottom-tier team. And it showed that anybody can beat anybody in the Big West because the basketball gods in the Big West were shining down on UH because the other three teams ahead of Hawaii in the standings all lost in Irvine, Riverside, Santa Barbara, especially the bottom teams as well. And Hawaii had a really good defensive game and defeats Cal Poly 69-56, Kamaka Hepo with 29 points it's one of those games where you're like see they can do it and i think that's a little frustrating for men's basketball fans i will say when you see a guy like kamaka hepa pop off for 29 where you're like okay that's really cool where was that 
and I think that's my slight frustration because we do it against Cal Poly, which is not one of the better teams in the Big West. So this is I'm not going to say this should this is an expected win. I wanted them to win, and I'm glad they that they did win. But I think it just more perpetuates a couple of issues that some fans do have with this team is that inconsistency on offense because with performances like these, we can see guys ball out for uh, 25 plus. And Kamaka's done it twice this year with a 30, what's it, a 30 plus point performance against right. what St. John's earlier in the year. So I hope this is something that we can build off on when they come back home for this week and can handle business this week after just that really poor performance on Thursday. That was a rough loss. This is a good win. Now let's build off of that good win. And I'll say the same thing for the Rainbow Wahine. You know, fun fact, this is their first 20-plus point win since last year when they beat Cal Poly. <laughs> oh, wow. So they, at least Laura Beeman's squad is a little bit more consistent against Cal Poly. You know, there's a lot of players missing. So it was nice to see, what, four players get into double digits in this game. Right. One of my favorite tweets from this weekend is um, McKenna Hare, uh, one of the older uh, Wahine on the team. Her nickname on the team is Grandma. <laughs> and so on that. Twitter, they tweeted out, Grandma got loose as Hare scores her 11th point and the fourth bow to register double digits. So a great win for the Rainbow Wahine, especially. You know, they had that really big autograph session after the game. Yeah. So they got a lot of attention there. It was a great weekend for the Bows on both sides of the ball. Now let's see what they can do to build off of this positive momentum. Yeah, just going back to the men for a second, we'll have Derek Lowe join us in the 8 o'clock hour talking UH basketball. With, with the three teams losing, again, now they're a game and a half out of first place. They do have San Diego on Thursday. You see San Diego. And then uh, coming up on Saturday night, Cal State Fullerton at home. If you take care of those games with some of these teams playing each other throughout the week, like Long Beach State has Santa Barbara uh, as an example, Hawaii can still move up in the stands. And when Thursday's loss occurred, it really set them back a little bit, three-way tie for fourth. They're still in the three-way tie, but it's for third. Davis didn't play on Saturday. Long Beach State got that win over Riverside. And so Long Beach State still tied with Hawaii. And now Riverside, losing twice last week, is tied with UH as well. So just a game and a half out of first. We are getting down to it. Oh, I mean, eight games left is still a lot of basketball, but not a lot when you look at it in the big picture. And every week it gets smaller and smaller as far as how you can make up for it. But last week, a, a good game. And Jovan McClanahan didn't have a great shooting night, but he did have those nine points, five rebounds. And he seemed like he's a pretty good rebounding guard for that side. Six assists to one turnover. I love that. And for the team, 11 assists on 19 field goals. Thursday night, it was only 5 assists on 24 field goals. They were really being unselfish, passing the ball, getting the high percentage shot. So great to see that outcome for UH men and the women. Uh, much needed wins and to hopefully continue on the winning track. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got a lot more to cover, of course. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, NBA talk with the Kyrie Irving trade. The trade deadline is Thursday, by the way. And uh, more football talk. And it is the big week getting ready for the big game. All ahead with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart called 
Harry Dickman and Tanner Hay with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You can always call or text at 808-296-1420. We did get an early text, and thank you for the text, saying that uh, Timmy Chang said in his interview that there are no weekend spring ball practices currently scheduled. Okay, I knew the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I thought there might have been one on Saturday, but there'll be four a week for this week. Thank you for that. I just want to, I just got a couple more thoughts on the Kyrie Irving deal for at least for this hour and then we'll move on to some other football topics. You know, you know there's talk that the Nets are going to move some of those draft picks that they got and maybe try to get another veteran. I guess we also want to hear from Kevin Durant and what he thinks. And I wondered what it would have been like if Kevin Durant was reunited with Russell Westbrook at the OKC. That would have been something to see. What I'm reading back east with all the comments on social media and everything, is Nets fans aren't upset with Kyrie as much as they're upset with management. And think of this. From way wasn't that well, I guess it was a while ago. It's probably about nine, ten years ago now. They make the big trade for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. I said that day on this show that will not work. They were too old to be that impactful. And the Nets gave up a ton of draft picks. One of them turned out to be Jason Tatum as it turns out. It just wasn't going to be a good trade, but they became a bigger story because they had, you know, future Hall of Famers on their team. The problem was they were at the end of their careers. They never did anything during that stretch. I think they won one playoff series, move on a few years of really playing bad with that, you know, rebuilding plan. Then they get Durant, as we know, and Kyrie on that same day of free agency. Didn't work out the first year. They get James Harden, but this has been an awful mess is my point. And, I I mean, I don't think anybody could have predicted that James Harden, Kyrie, and Durant would work out this badly. Uh, Durant could have been gone over the summer. How do you lose all that after acquiring all that? It's it's really sad. And, you know, I know Chris has strong comments, and I'm glad he's not here yet, but he will be here soon. I imagine his first comments are going to be about Kyrie as he texted you and I uh, on Friday and a little bit yesterday as well, I guess. But... That they really turned this into a mess, and I do blame Kyrie. I mean, I, I think on the court, you and I know Tanner, he's great. He's great on the court. Off the court, he's almost the opposite. And he's just too much too much baggage, too much of a problem, too much of a head case. And it's unfortunate because they never got a chance to show what they could have done on the court. I don't know if they'll ever get this good on paper again. And maybe it is time to change general managers with Sean Marks. Uh, I mean, he's got to take some of the blame because he was trying to make too much of this where it looked like, again, it should work. But it wasn't going to. You can kind of tell that from day one with everybody having their own agendas. And uh, not not a happy day for Nets fans, that's for sure. Well, when I look at this, Kyrie Irving, as much as a lot of like dumb decisions he made, he still did a lot of good stuff off the court, I will say. And he did, you're right. He did a lot of really great stuff. He's 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 been one of the more vocal supporters of the WNBA. So I don't want to make him out to be this massive supervillain. He's obviously someone who is just, you know, curious and is just misinformed. And I just hope that him going to Dallas is somehow going to help that. I'm not sure how much of that is going to help. When I look at this whole situation of the Brooklyn Nets, I can't help but to look at one guy that kind of helped orchestrated the entire thing and it didn't work out in his favor, no matter how much he wanted it to work, I got to put this on Kevin Durant because he wants to be out here. He wants to have his own team. He had two teams where he was the not really the leader, but he was someone that you could depend on, and he had situations carved out for him 
in the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Golden State Warriors. In both of those teams, he had amazing situations in which if you didn't really look past a lot of things, it looked like he was having a good time and was being a great teammate. But he wants to have his own team. He wants to do his own thing for once. He goes out to Brooklyn. He orchestrates, you know, getting Kyrie, getting James Harden. Then somehow James Harden wants to leave, so now they have to figure out something. And now Kyrie Irving wants to leave, so then Kevin Durant wants to leave. And then they're like, oh, wait, Kevin, come on. And he's like, okay, I'll stay. And then Kyrie's like, okay, I'll stay. Okay, never mind. I want to leave too again. So I think what Kyrie needs is someone to help lead the team, like with LeBron James. When he was with LeBron, not a lot of this stuff really came out other than, you know, the uh, the whole Earth is flat stuff. Right. Like, other than that, that's like a mild conspiracy that I think everyone can be like, okay, that's kind of weird, but hopefully he kind of learns. But then once LeBron is gone, all of this really starts to, you know, come out of the woodworks. And I think Kevin Durant just needed to be a better leader for that team, something of which that he could never do. So I got to kind of put it on Kevin Durant here because as much as he touts himself of wanting to be the leader of the Brooklyn Nets, I don't think a single time when he was a member of the Brooklyn Nets, I ever really felt that he was a true leader other than when he, when his foot was on the uh, three-point line. <laughs> you know, that's, actually, you bring up some really, really good points, especially about OKC and Golden State. You're, you're totally right. I don't even think of it that way sometimes. I, the only thing, I don't think he orchestrated the Harden deal as much as Kyrie. He probably approved it, though, and I'm sure he was fine with him. So that part, that's just a side, but that doesn't really matter. I guess you, in a way, it's, it's, again, it's a different perspective to kind of blame. I blame management for not making it work, but I also blame part of the deal with having Steve Nash as a coach. I, I said that from day one as well, that that wasn't going to work and or didn't guarantee that it would work. I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Not that it was that bad, but I, I didn't have enough faith in that deal when it was first made. And I just saw some things as far as, you know, rotation moves and things like that. He couldn't keep them together. Not all that is on that. I think it's a combined effort of everybody. But Durant should maybe assume some liability. That's an interesting way of looking at that. And but I'm gonna you you had a championship caliber team, and you got two thirds of the team is gone. You got some draft picks. You got Ben Simmons. I mean, it's almost like you got. It, it's not addition by subtraction when you get rid of Hard. It's it's a subtraction by subtraction. You get rid of Harden, that's subtraction. You get Ben Simmons, that's subtraction. He hasn't worked out. And that's another bad move, a very questionable move. And I, I don't know where they go. Again, I'm just hoping ticket prices drop for my sake uh, when I go back. But I haven't seen it yet. It's only been about 20 hours. So I guess i got to give it a little bit of time. Uh, we have a lot more on that. And then it be a rumored trades coming out there. And what do the Lakers do next and things like that. That will be a little bit later. Yesterday uh, was the Pro Bowl. This Sunday, of course, is the Super Bowl. And we're going to have John Marks from WIP Sports Radio in Philly join us. He is on Radio Row in the Phoenix area right now, so we'll have him on in less than six minutes. Did you watch any of the Pro Bowl yesterday? I admit I did not have any interest at all. I saw some of the clips. I thought it was actually kind of fun. It it was better than last year's Pro Bowl, I will say. Uh, There's still, you know, not a real super air of like oh my god you have to watch this i will say though at the end uh peyton manning getting absolutely heated at the ref was probably the most entertaining part of the entire flag football game 
because it just it was just the classic Peyton Manning competitiveness coming out, and you get it on a hot mic, and it yeah if you watch the clip you'll understand. Obviously, you know he just didn't want to lose to his little brother, and for a lot of you know older siblings they'll understand that feeling, especially with Peyton Manning because he wants to win absolutely everything probably. Sure. So I I loved that. Uh, the one of my favorite parts was uh, I think it was like kick tac toe where the long snappers actually dominated because they had the long snappers, the punchers, and the kickers. And the long snappers were basically running the show on both conferences. So there was a lot of, like, small highlights here and there, and it was a very entertaining, you know, thing to watch in clips. I didn't really watch the entire thing. From the entire Pro Bowl experience, I think my two favorite times was, honestly, the longest drive where they just had five players from each conference try to hit a, you know, golf ball as far as possible because that was just a classic, you know, ten guys getting together, having a great time. And then it was the quarterback, uh, the uh, quarterback camp of where Derek Carr absolutely balls out and then he has that absolute classic answer of uh, I've never been that hot before. That's probably why I'm playing for another team next I year. I saw that. Hey, did they even name an MVP? I looked for that. I didn't see anything as far as an MVP. I didn't see anything. Yeah, that was kind of You know, I, I read actually really good results, and I reviews after it. I, I did watch a little. I watched highlights, and I watched some of the pictures and videos and stuff like that, making the rounds. Josh Jacobs, before the festivities, said, and I quote, this is stupid. <laughs> there were a few players saying that, but afterwards it seems like many of the players actually liked it a lot better because there wasn't real tackling. Although Miles Garrett. I was uh, going to say, one injury. guy probably did think it was stupid. One guy what? One guy probably thought it was stupid, and it was Miles Garrett, probably. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, because he had the dislocated toe, apparently. Uh, you know, I guess you can get injured in a flag football game. But I know Tyreek Hill took a big hit. Was that um, Jalen Ramsey, well, I think. it was from Jalen Ramsey, but, like, Devontae Adams did not help at all. Because Devontae Adams' flag was about to be ripped off on the one-yard line. So he just laterals it last second to Tyreek Hill right behind him. And Jalen Ramsey absolutely just blows him up on accident. Yeah. Like, I know Jalen Ramsey wasn't meaning to, like, destroy Tyreek Hill. I'm sure Tyreek Hill wasn't really expecting the ball to come to him at the, like, But he got up right away like he was okay with it, huh? Yeah, totally. But I feel like in the moment you just be like, what the... What the heck, Devontae? <laughs> I know. You're just leaving me out to dry. You just leaving me out in the dry here. <laughs> in a way, yeah, but he was trying to get a score for his team. So, I, I, but yeah, that, that was that was a cool play. I saw that one, uh, and that was one of the more entertaining plays, that's for sure. But again, good reviews. Only fifty, I guess, only fifty-six and a half thousand. I guess there. I know the stadium holds more than that, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, we'll see what the NFL says about the reviews afterwards. But again, the players, at least after after the game yesterday, were all speaking pretty positively. But I, I was, think also I having it in Las Vegas makes it a lot more uh, better for the players as well. I was pretty surprised at the number of people watching the game. Like, I did not expect that many people to be out there. You mean at the stadium? Yeah, at the stadium. See, I'm not sure what they were expecting. I mean, we used to get sellouts here at Aloha Stadium. It was 50,000. It might have been a couple of years where it was like 47,000. And maybe no shows are there. But I don't know how many tickets were sold, but it was like 56,000. I guess it's a lot in one way of looking at it, but we'll see what the NFL does say. We're going to have more football talk. In fact, we're going to shift and talk about the Super Bowl. John Marks from Sports Radio, WIP in Philadelphia, will be joining us next. Jameson Irish Whiskey presents ESPN Honolulu's Big Game, Big TV Giveaway. 
Just post, follow, and tag at ESPN Honolulu on Instagram and win a 70-inch LG TV. It is Super Bowl week. Finally, it is here. The Eagles and the Chiefs. Of course, this is your exclusive home for Super Bowl 57 ESPN Honolulu. We're going to find out a little bit more about what's going on from the Philadelphia Eagles perspective as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's with Sports Radio WIP in Philadelphia. Once again, John Mark. John, I know you're in the Phoenix area right now on Radio Row. I'll start with this. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to get your take. If the Eagles somehow don't win on Sunday, will the Eagles fans be okay that Andy Reid wins another Super Bowl? Uh, um, you know what, Gary? I think that the fact that the Eagles have won a Super Bowl, it would take away the sting. Um, maybe it would mean a little bit more that Andy Reid won, but I think for the most part the disappointment would pretty much be about the same. Winning that one Super Bowl in 2017, five years ago, um, it, it took away a lot. So if the Eagles were looking for their first Super Bowl and they lost to Andy Reid, totally different story. Uh, but I think as it stands right now, we're kind of the Andy Reid thing's kind of finished with, with uh, the Eagles. Oh, interesting. It makes an interesting topic, I think. Obviously, it's a storyline as well as the Kelsey Bowl, I guess, with the Kelsey brothers as well. I know the last time we had you on, I know we touched upon this, but Howie Roseman, the GM, when, when I think about this, what he's done, getting the Eagles to two Super Bowls within such a short period of time, to 2017 to now, two different head coaches, two different starting quarterbacks. I mean, that's just incredible. I think he deserves probably even more credit than Nick Sirianni. Yeah, it's um, it's remarkable. Like you said, the first time, five years apart, two Super Bowls, different head coach, different quarterback. And when you look at the roster, the 2022 roster, he has his fingerprints all over it. A.J. Brown, they traded a first-round draft pick. They gave him a big contract, but they had the extra draft picks because he he's very good at accumulating resources and things like that. Uh, some of the signings they had, Hassan Reddick, was a three-year contract. Now, he got paid a little bit of money. But Reddick had 16 sacks in the regular season, has 19 and a half sacks in 19 games, including the postseason. Um, James Bradbury was a one-year contract. So when you look at what he's been able to do, which is you already had a good roster, now you add pieces. He did it in 2017, uh, and, it re- and it helped win the Super Bowl. He's done it again this year. He's done a great job. They have another first-round draft pick, so, so the Eagles have two first-round draft picks next year. They have the Saints' first-round pick. They have another second-round pick in 2024. So you still have a bunch of draft picks. You have some. You have some cap space to sign guys as well. Um, it'll it'll be difficult because now you have to say, hey, are we re-signing guys even though we shouldn't? Because they helped you get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. But he, I mean, he's clearly one of the best GMs in the National Football League. That's for sure. John Marks from Sports Radio WIP 94 in Philadelphia joining us here in on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. I was also thinking back to this, and it wasn't that long ago that the Philadelphia Phillies were in the World Series. Right now, pretty good sports year for Philadelphia. The Sixers are looking good, maybe not yesterday against the Knicks, but overall Philadelphia's a happening sports town even more so these these days, aren't they? Yeah, and the, uh, you know, the Phillies thing, I think, I think a lot of people thought they could be a playoff team, but going to a World Series, going to Game 6 of a World Series, took everybody by surprise. And then this Eagles team this year, I thought they would be a playoff team. I thought they could win a playoff game. Who knows? Maybe in the NFC Championship game. I didn't see a result where they're actually favored in the Super Bowl over the Chiefs. I mean, think about that. 
They're favored in the Super Bowl over the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. So it's um, and the 76ers are rolling too. But it's been um, yeah, it's been a good run here from uh, from October until we're now in February. It's been a good couple months here to be be a guy that covers the teams on a daily basis. Now, I didn't mention the Philadelphia Flyers. I know they're struggling a little bit. I guess you can't have everything, but so far I'm sure they're feeling pretty good about things. And, of course, a victory on Sunday even more so. What do you look at as far as some of the keys to victory for the Eagles? And I guess I'll start with this. If it's a close game or if the Eagles are trailing in the fourth quarter, can Jalen Hurts beat the Chiefs' defense with his arm? Yeah, it's, it's actually something we talked about last week, which was what would you rather be? Would you rather be in the lead – Chiefs have the ball with a minute and a half left, or you're behind and you have the ball. How many times have we seen Pat Mahomes come back and with seconds left on the clock and get a win? But I do think that I do think the, the that Jalen Hurts, just because he's so dangerous with his legs, that if you need a score and there's not a lot of time left, he can move the chains with his threat of running. There's only been a couple times this year where they've actually needed that, but the times they've needed it. Hertz has done it, so uh, he's certainly a big X factor. Uh, if this game, Gary, if this game is a is a shootout, I don't think that favors the Eagles. I would want to play this game in the twenties. So I think if both teams are scoring in the twenties, that's a that, that's a for me a formula for the Eagles winning a close game. With their great defense, how do they slow down? I know you can't stop Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. With Kelsey, it seems like he's so often open. I don't know how you really cover the guy, but also Mahomes and what he's been doing of late, really this whole career. How do the Eagles' defense try to at least slow them down? So the Eagles had 70 sacks this year, and they did that without a lot of blitzing. They were pretty much right in the middle of blitz rate in the NFL. So they're getting it done with their front four, 70 sacks. That's 15 more than the next team, uh, which was actually the Chiefs with 55. So you're getting to the quarterback. We know Pat Mahomes is very good back in that pocket. He's very difficult to deal with, just kind of scooting around and throwing the ball. But the the Eagles' defense, because they don't blitz, they have more people back in coverage. So you're not going to beat them over the top. They don't have Tyreek Hill like they did, so you don't even have to worry about that. I think what the Eagles do is they try to keep everything in front of them, they're going to make. They're going to. If they're going to, they're going to get beaten, they're going to have to do it without making mistakes. The Chiefs not making mistakes, and they're going to have to be. You know, like I would double Travis Kelsey. I would take away the middle of the field, and I would try to. I would try to make them beat me with the outside receivers. Um, it, it's see now we're talking about the chess match of it, and and this is where we are right now. To where all right, we know Mahomes is great. We know Kelsey's unbelievable. They have other good guys. How do you stop them? And I think the Eagles try to try to keep everything in front of them and not allow for the big play and make them earn their points. I know you're in the Phoenix area getting ready for the game. Tonight is opening night. Uh, used to be the, I forget what they called it on that Tuesday afternoon and years previously, but now they have the opening night with all the media there. Can you give us a sense of what that atmosphere is like? Uh, I have not been to one, so I will be there tonight, and um, and I'll certainly let you know. I know that, that, the, that the NFL has wisely made a big deal about it, now it becomes a TV event, right? So um, we'll see what it's like tonight, and uh, it should be pretty cool. Do you get the sense a lot of Eagles fans will be able to make the trip and get tickets for this game? Yeah. Um, if you just go by the by the, the sites, the sub hubs, the tick picks or whatever, the majority of the tickets being purchased on there are coming from zip codes in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. 
where you see a lot of Eagles fans. Not to say that there won't be Chiefs fans at the game, because certainly there will be, but I think that, that, as usual, Philadelphia Eagles fans will be sticking out like a sore thumb here in Arizona. Well, we'll see if they be climbing the telephone poles like they did a couple of weeks ago and in the last Super Bowl win. I know they had a good time there, but uh, hopefully they'll be able to celebrate on Sunday. We've got to see how that plays out. John, I know you're getting ready for a busy week. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, go, good luck to the Eagles on Sunday. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Aloha. All right. Thank you so much. John Mark from Sports Radio WIP in Philadelphia joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. You know, Tanner, we talked about the Super Bowl a little bit. I don't know. I haven't really heard your pick yet. And I'm not sure what – I mean, I guess my pick is I want the Chiefs. And I wouldn't say I – mean, I could tell John Mark that. But I want to see Marcus Kemp get another ring. Even though he hasn't played a lot, it's still pretty cool. I'm not going to be upset either way. What about you? I'm not going to be upset either way. I think I'm still debating in my head on who I think it is. I think if I was asked right now, I think I would lean towards the Chiefs just because there are some moments where that Eagles offense does lag a little bit. And as good as their defense is, it's still Patrick Mahomes. So it's really hard to to go against him. I think it's probably going to be a close one, though. I think it'll probably be like a 37-34 kind of game. <laughs> now, are you saying that because of what was leaked over the weekend? What was leaked? Uh, there was a report. I'll have to find out exactly. Some uh, computer or some website that predicts the game, they actually predicted the final score. They didn't predict it, actually. They printed it like this was the after-the-game headline, and the score was 37-34. to and some people are wondering, hey, now would that mean it's rigged, that the NFL already knows what the score will be? And I believe with the Eagles winning. But that was kind of like going sort of viral over the weekend. Uh, and I'll get the exact info on that. In fact, I'll do that coming up. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and I'll tell you about that, and if people are believing that. I know you just you weren't aware of it, so you, you get a pass on that. But we'll talk about that a little bit more with the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth here. Chris will be with us uh, next hour. And uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot to talk about. We've got the uh, festivities last night for the UH baseball team. And that seemed like a lot of fun seeing some of the pictures and videos on Twitter and social media. Uh, a lot of Super Bowl talk. If you've got any thoughts on the big game, give us a call or a text at 808 296 1420. We'd love to get your thoughts on the game. we got a, U- a lot of U8 basketball talk we'll get into. Uh, NBA trade deadline is coming up Thursday. So I mentioned before the break how, and, and it wasn't anything, I wouldn't say it went viral, but it was probably trending on Twitter in certain areas at least about the Super Bowl. And there was this pro football reference leaked something. Almost looked like a Wikipedia uh, listing when you see the screenshot of it. They listed the final score, 37-34 Eagles. And people think that maybe the NFL is fixing the game, which I don't believe. And it comes also from a former Tampa Bay Saints and other teams player, Dwight Smith, who last year in an interview predict, uh, didn't predict. He said that big NFL games are predetermined. Um, 
again, I, I don't believe this for a minute, but I, I'll bet there are people, Tanner, that will take that score, think it's legit, and they're going to bet that way just because of this leak, so to speak, as far as the Super Bowl on Sunday. Good for them. I mean, if I, I also like to be easily swayed by misinformation. So it's, it's, <laughs> and you know it's, me. It's always good for them. So, I, I mean, I'd rather just talk about the game rather than just, like, people always going on about how everything is predetermined and all that good stuff. Good for you, man. Uh, it was a funny joke when Arian Foster did it, but I think this, this whole uh, script thing is getting a little old, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I think it's ridiculous. But, again, there's going to be people who are going to bet that way. And now, after we see this over the weekend, we're talking about it, what, what, do you, what will you say next Sunday night, Monday morning, if that is the final score? Cool. That's a really <laughs> common score between two great offensive teams. Because, it, 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 that obviously, I wasn't swayed by that prediction. If I can, if me, a 23-year-old, can say, Oh, this score will probably they'll probably both be in the thirties and in two scores, but it would make sense in terms of scoring points. I don't think it's gonna be that, you know, insane to think that a thirty seven to thirty four score is possible. And if it's predicted, good for them, man. I saw this over the weekend as well. This was kinda crazy as well. For this season, including the playoff game. Can you guess what the point differential is between the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs? No. It's, there is none. They both scored exactly 546 points through the playoffs. I mean, I, there's so many different things you can break down. I mean, that one is pretty cool because it's the exact. And it includes the playoffs, not the regular season. Uh, not that wouldn't give Wait, me an inclination. Playoffs? Including the playoffs, they both scored oh, 546 points. Okay. Including, yeah. So, and they both play. Now, the Eagles had one less game. Uh, Zach, I'm trying to, no, actually, they did. They both they both had that bye uh, in the first round, I guess. They both had one seed. But that's still incredible. 546 points for both teams. There's going to be so many interesting prop bets and things like that. I know this is the game where everybody does wager. We're going to have uh, Sean Green on Friday's show from the uh, Gambling Podcast to give us some 50, they have 57 prop bets, 57 bets for Super Bowl 57. Well, we're going to talk more about the big game coming up. we got a lot of UH basketball talk. Softball starts this week for UH. A lot of great things going on locally. We'll get into all that and more. Coming up, we'll take a look at traffic right now as well. Coming up, the Sports Animals return on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. Sports Animals on ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, Chris Hart will be with us in just a little bit. Uh, got some headlines we want to go over, and uh, I guess two minutes ago, two minutes ago, spring practice has officially started for the University of Hawaii football team. And just the sound of that I know makes a lot of people feel really good that football is back. The earliest spring start I can remember. I don't know if anybody in the country starts it this early. And I'm not sure if this will be the norm. Part of the reason, if not the bigger part of the reasons, are that they are going to be starting construction and renovation on TC chain complex with the expanded seats and the scoreboard later on. So that's one of the reasons they're starting off early, but it's going to be fun for 15 days coming up. Spring practices upon us open to the public. And there's a lot of new guys on defense, especially. So 
Make your way down to Cook Field, uh, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Today, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Get to know some of these guys because we're, we're going to be uh, calling out these guys' names in a couple of months from now. So I think it's going to be awesome for – it's going to be an awesome watch. It's going to be awesome for the players to see all the fans come out and support them, especially in the uh, early mornings during the week. Do you know offhand, and I'm not sure if there's an answer yet, but do you know offhand if any of the players that have signed either in December – or last week are going to be attending spring practice? I mean, some of them could be early enrollees. I know that's not a lot of them that I've heard or any of them that I've heard, but I'm just wondering if you heard anything on that line. Yeah, so uh, Hawaii football did release their spring football roster, and included on it is a lot of the uh, JUCO guys mostly. I don't see a lot. I don't remember seeing a lot of the uh, freshmen coming out especially. And, of course, I'm just looking it up right now just to confirm. I mean, the freshmen – or the younger guys that do uh, that are making the way out seem to be kind of the walk-on guys. Uh, there's, you know, the Dylan Ge- Gebbia, the uh, quarterback who is going to be a walk-on freshman. So he'll be here. Uh, a lot of yes, a lot of the okay. younger guys seem to also be the uh, gray-shirted guys like Makana Meyer from Mililani, uh, Tasi Tadio from St. Louis, uh, Malak- uh, Malaki Teo, also a gray-shirted guy, but. If you're looking at really young guys, they're going to be walk-ons or gray shirts. Uh, but I don't see any uh, early enrollee high school kids being in. But a couple of uh, JUCO guys did make their way through. I do remember seeing their name. I do remember seeing, um, I think it was uh, Justin Sinclair's name I saw uh, as well. And Freddie Pelling, the 6'9", 300-pound uh, offensive lineman from Garden City in England. He'll so, be hard to miss. Yeah, definitely very hard to miss. A lot of really fun guys to keep your eye out on. And a lot of, you know, local names that, you know, you aren't going to be seeing by the time we get to the regular season just due to, you know, uh, roster restrictions and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's always cool to see the new players for the first time. So there'll be some new players that we haven't seen before. There'll be many more coming in the summer, of course, not just the norm every year. There was an interesting article in yesterday's Star, advertised by Stephen Sy about the football team in spring practice and the quarterback spot. As I mentioned last hour, he meant, uh, Stephen wrote that Timmy Chang will spend some time uh, the next couple of weeks with uh, June Jones, just getting some more, you know, more information on the run and shoot from the coaching perspective, and I think that only helps. I think it's pretty cool of June Jones, and we, I don't think it's surprising that he's willing to help Timmy Chang, but with what went on with the coaching hire, you know, I, some people might think he might have, you know, some bad feeling, but no, it doesn't seem like that. Anytime we've talked to June or just the fact that he's meeting with Timmy, who obviously was his quarterback all those years. So I think that's going to be something. Also, Timmy's comments in the paper uh, – Talking really highly about Joey Allen, I believe you were with me last year. That going into camp, going into the season, I know you. We talked about Verdell Edwards, pressed with him. I only went to two summer practices last year. One of them was a scrimmage, and I think Edwards looked good. He turned out to be a good player. Jordan Murray, we both thought would be really good. They didn't quite live up to it. I thought Joey Allen looked good. The only two times I saw him last summer, unfortunately, he didn't look good when the regular season occurred and he had a few opportunities, but he's back right now. So I think it's going to be, I don't think they'll have a depth chart after spring. I know some teams do that, but I am really curious on how that quarterback room plays out as far as how the depth chart will look. Of course, before the Vanderbilt game in August, but also either after spring practice or going into the summer, because that's going to be something to watch. Who's number one, two, and three? Well, I think we all know what number one is. As of now, yes. As of, well, 
Timmy has said that Braden is their guy going all the way through. So we do know that. Uh, with the, I think it will be more of a battle of who's going to be the backup between Farrell and Yellen because I think when I'm looking at this team, you know, I saw Joey Yellen more than twice last year, so I kind of had an idea mm. of that. I never, I didn't really think he was that much better than Braden to be a guaranteed starter over him. I wanted to see him in regular speed, regular game to like confirm my thoughts on it. And yeah, my thoughts were confirmed on Joey Yellen rather quickly. Uh, I'm excited for Brayden. He got a lot more personal, you know, teaching from Timmy Chang over the regular season once he became the number one guy. I think when I'm looking at this quarterback room, especially with a guy like Joey Yellen, you're looking at guys to help Brayden be competitive. You don't want him to be complacent. And I think sure. there's a lot of arms in there to make sure that iron will sharpen iron as as well as Timmy Chang also getting in Braden's face to let him know, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. You could be faster with your release here. You know, stuff that he did in the regular season once Braden was named the starter and we knew that he was going to be the guy for the rest of the season. I think uh, Braden is going to benefit heavily from knowing for the from January to August that there is no quarterback fight and we won't have to be waiting five minutes before the game to start to know who the starter is going to be. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, we'll have more UH football talk a little bit later in the show, and, of course, throughout the weeks, the spring practice has started eight minutes ago. Another headline, this is a very uh, happy one, with University of Hawaii basketball teams on Saturday, both victorious. The Rainbow Wahine coming back after a tough loss on Thursday. They beat Cal Poly 80-58. to Really impressive win. Really good shooting night for the team. Callan Spiller led the way with four players in double figures with 19 points on 7 of 11 shooting. And the men victorious on the road at Cal Poly, 69-56. Kamaka Hepa almost had another career high, but he ends up with 29 points, four of six on three-pointers. Had a really, really good game, and Hawaii needed that win, especially when you see what happened at the top of the Big West where Irvine, Riverside and even Santa Barbara at CSUN all lost. The Rainbow Warriors now in a tie for third place, only a game and a half out of first. And, you know, this is where we benefit from being in a conference like the Big West, where it is, you know, as strong as the teams are at the top, there are some problems with each team where you can lose. I think being tied in third at this point of the season is a real kind of, it's a real, you know, gift for the University of Hawaii uh, men's basketball team. So hopefully we can capitalize on it. We are at home. You'd love to, you know, classic, you know, sweep at home and all that good stuff. But we do go against a really good, you know, Fullerton team on Saturday. I think that's going to be a game that a lot of uh, people who follow close, who follow the men's basketball team closely, that's going to be a, you know, a matchup where you're probably going to be a little worried where you want them, the uh, where you want the Rainbow Warriors to have two good halves and play consistently. We can't have what was going on the last week and a half, or the last two weeks, rather, of just really inconsistent play. When Fullerton does come down here, we have to make sure that we win. And they're a team that beat Hawaii in overtime up at Fullerton uh, last month, so we exactly. know they have the potential. They beat Riverside last week. They're only a, uh, what are they? They're seven and six. Hawaii eight and four. So they're only a game and a half in back of Hawaii. So uh, very important. They're the better of the two teams. You see, San Diego comes in with a three and nine conference record, eight and sixteen on the season. 
our third headline, high school sports had a big, big weekend. I feel bad that the rain on Saturday forced a cancellation of some of the uh, all the consolation games in girls' soccer. They were able to play the D1 and the D2 championship, and Punahou won the Division One girls' championship over Kamehameha's 3 to nothing, and on the D2 side, Pac-5, a 1-0 win over Kapaha. So congratulations to all those teams. We also had girls' basketball state championships on Friday night. We had Iolani over Konawina. I was a little surprised that Iolani, not that they won because they're now four-time defending champions. Four years in a row they won the girls' title, but they beat Konawina by 22, 59-37. So really uh, impressive victory for Iolani once again. And on the D2 side, and I did see the video of Kapaha returning to the Garden Isle and getting a water salute from the fire department there on the runway. They defeat Hanalani 54-37. So some great high school sports with those two sports going on for their championships. And today we start the D1 championship or the tournament for boys basketball and it's going to be fun it is the Heidi and Cook uh, uh, Heidi and Cook boys basketball state championship four games today Lahaina Luna will host Kailua Mililani will host Moanalua Konawaina will host Kahuku and Marino will host Lele Hua. They'll continue on Wednesday with the quarterfinals. We will have our coverage starting on CBS 1500. That'll start Wednesday night as well. Got a lot of high school sports coming up. Championship for the boys Division One is on Friday. D2 will get on the way on Wednesday. But I'm looking forward to this. Always one of my favorite sporting events of the year, the boys' championships. Yeah, and of course, I don't want to gloss over, you know, a couple of these, you know, really awesome wins from this weekend, you know, with Punahou beating Kamehameha in the uh, D1 girls soccer tournament. This is the first time that Punahou wins uh, states since 2011 and kind of ends the run for Kamehameha Kapalama. And, of course, these two teams were kind of running into each other in the ILH uh, where uh, that I think this is going to be, I think it was an awesome win. You know, 3-0 is also great. Uh, the girls had to miss Punahou Carnival for the tournament. <laughs> that you started know. a little later. Than, I think it started an hour later because of the rain. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's an awesome win for them uh, this weekend. I think it's really funny that Kopa'a went uh, one and one this weekend in state yeah. tournaments, you know, yeah. where they do have that unfortunate loss to Pac-5 in the D2 crown. Uh, Kopa'a getting the their first ever basketball state title after they rout Hanalani. I think that was awesome for them, you know, that 54-37 to 37 win, much like the Iolani win, the 59-37. to I have 59 to 38 from scoring 38? Live. Okay, you might be right. But um, Probably are. You know, if you were a fan of close basketball games this weekend, this was not a fun weekend for you. But if you were a Kapa'a native or a Iolani grad, I think you're looking at those two wins amazingly. Um, and I'm sure Laura Beeman had a great time watching a couple more Iolani, uh, you know, Lady Raiders yeah. go uh, balling out. Maybe we see some more Iolani grads start to uh, start to raid the uh, uh, Hawaii Wahine basketball team more than just the uh, Wahine Kapu and Lefotu sisters. Now, Tanner, one thing I have to mention, though, you're a Punahou guy. We know that. You and Chris, we hear it all the time. I was I'm a little surprised, but there are a couple of more championships, and yay, they were won by Punahou as well over the weekend. The boys and mixed squads won their program's ninth and sixth state championships for the Hawaiian Airlines HHSAA State Paddling Championships. 
That was Saturday at Kihei Lagoon. So a couple more titles for Punahou. I'm sure you're aware of that. I, I think it's really funny when people <laughs> talk about Punahou, you know, us being a powerhouse, you know, at least not in football. I will say that. I will, I've will. i always made this comparison for ILH Sports that St. Louis is kind of like, you know, like the Alabama of uh, ILH or states or I think Kahuku also kind of runs that. And like, sure. They're really amazing in football. But I always view Punahou as kind of like the Stanford of state sports of where, yeah, we're not necessarily always r- really good in football, but we have a pretty good hold on a lot of other sports. Like yes. kind of like those, you know, like uh, our boys volleyball team uh, is always really good. We always seem to have a chance in basketball every couple of years. Boy, soccer? Both sides. Soccer, of course. I mean, you know, we just, I, I, you know, take pride in, you know, not having enough room in a gym for all of our banners. We needed to convert <laughs> a hallway for all of our state titles. So It's a good problem to have, I guess. It's, a, huh? it's, a, it's an awesome problem to have, and, you know, it's always fun to always walk down that uh, hallway every time and again to remind yourself, man, the greatness <laughs> of Punahou Sports. Uh, except for football. <laughs> but well, we, do, but still, we do have our chances. We do have our chances. Every couple of years, we do have a really good team. Yeah, I mean, maybe they don't win it every year, but you can't have every sport every year where they're no, dominant. Because, no. I mean, and volleyball you know, and soccer, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, they're almost, seems like every year they win in those sports. And look, that's just that's just us being gracious, you know, being not being too selfish. We're like, oh, we'll let you guys have football. Yeah, don't guess, worry. Yeah. It's fine. You want to share, share the wealth. Share the well. What right. I wondered about is, I mean, I wonder what the conditions were like when they were paddling on Saturday. I mean, I don't know where Probably you were Saturday. Murky. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that uh, that definitely. But I mean, like, I, I guess I, I didn't hear anything about you know conditions there. But it was at Kihei Lagoon on Saturday, and I guess if, maybe if they did it later in the day, it wasn't that bad because Look, uh, all all I heard on Saturday was thunder. So yeah. that's that's all I have for you. You know, congratulations to everyone from this weekend. It's going to be another fun week. And another fun weekend uh, this weekend once we come up to the uh, D1 and D2 state champs for boys basketball. So going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, our coverage begins on Wednesday on CBS 1500 when I believe it's St. Louis and Cam uh, Kamehameha, Kamehameha Hawaii. Almost made that mistake yeah. again. Uh, Kamehameha Hawaii both hosts on Wednesday, so that'll be a good doubleheader for CBS 1500 on Wednesday. And they'll find out their opponents after tonight's game. Tonight's games will determine who will beat in the quarterfinals, but we do know there are four teams uh, getting the buys, and those teams are St. Louis at number one, Campbell at number two, and then Kamehameha from Maui and the Big Island three and four as far as the seeds getting the buy. So, yeah, I, I look forward to that every year this year, no exception. Uh, we've got a lot more to go over. We've got some uh, NFL talk, some more NBA talk. Uh, you name it, there's still a lot going on. College basketball had an interesting weekend overall as well. One fun fact about that I'll get to in just a minute. Also, with Sunday being the Super Bowl, Jameson Irish Whiskey presents ESPN Honolulu. Big game, big TV giveaway. Just post Follow and tag ESPN Honolulu on Instagram and win a 70-inch LG TV. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth on ESPN Honolulu. If you have a comment, question, give us a call or a text at 808-296-1420. We'll talk a little bit about college basketball and what a week it was. In the last week, last seven days, 
2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15 of the top 25 teams lost. Not in one day, but in six days. And one of them, Purdue, lost to Indiana on Saturday. Tennessee lost. Uh, the Tennessee-Auburn game on Saturday, I don't know if anybody caught that. It was, the final score was, I think, 46-43. A Division One game between two SEC schools both ranked. Incredible. Uh, Virginia lost this week to Virginia Tech. Kansas State, number seven, lost twice. Virginia, by the way, number six. Tennessee, number two. Baylor lost. Kansas lost, number eight. Kansas plays Texas today. Should be a great game. Uh, Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's. We had somebody on our show a few weeks ago, uh, John Gassaway from ESPN.com, talking about uh, some of the mid-major schools. And I remember he said St. Mary's could be a team that could be not not just a tournament team. That was almost, you know, almost understood already, but they were a team that could cause some damage in March, and they beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga's now 8-2 and two in the West Coast Conference. St. Mary's is 10-0. and 0. I don't know the last time Gonzaga did not win the regular season title, but it's probably been a long time. Other teams to lose, Iowa State, Jamie Dixon's TCU team, Providence, Florida Atlantic, Clemson lost twice, Indiana, San Diego State, and Auburn. I kind of like those days in a way, unless it's your team that loses. Uh, just makes college basketball so great. I, you know, we always enjoy it, and that was kind of cool to see. But uh, a lot more upsets, I'm sure, will be taking place. The weird news and the sad. I shouldn't say weird. Excuse me, before you yeah, head into yeah. this, I did wanted to. I did wanted to comment a little bit from sure. this week because, yeah. like you were saying, there's a lot of those big games. You talk about Iowa State losing. Well, they also beat number eight Kansas on Saturday. Right, right. So there's yep, a yeah. lot of that up and down, and also want to talk about that Auburn Tennessee game where Tennessee did win 46 to 43. Just hearing about these percentages is absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Where <laughs> Auburn loses shooting 23 percent from the field and 11 percent from three, and so you're thinking, oh, okay, Tennessee, they must have done a little bit better, right? Well, yeah, they did. 27 percent from the field. And only 9% from three. I, I, to see that from the number two team in the nation, that's absolutely disgusting. But yet, at the same time, what does that say about Auburn basketball right there? That they still have the ability to be, you know, at least somewhat competitive, at least on the defensive side of the ball. That's why I ha- I'm having a lot of fun with college basketball the last couple of years, you know, where it's not obviously Kansas, Duke, or Kentucky. It's right, been a lot right. of fun going on with this season a lot of parity how do you win a game with those shooting numbers or something you would never think a team would win shooting those you hope that they shoot worse than you and that did happen yeah i only caught part of that game i was going back and forth and when i saw the final score i almost thought it was a typo but i remembered yeah that was so super uh so low scoring in between and you're right like indiana they beat purdue this week but they also lost this week so there have been a lot of upsets, and the Gonzaga one is maybe the most surprising. Not that it was a major upset, because St. Mary's has been good and is really good. Maybe the best freshman in the country, I'll get uh, Mahaney's first name. I think it's Austin Mahaney. Really, really good player. I've heard a lot about him, but uh, love that part of college basketball. Let's go to the phones right now. We've got John on the phone. Hi, John. Hey, I have a college basketball question. I was watching uh, Purdue. You guys were mentioning them a couple weeks ago. Uh, kind of channel surfing, and I was watching this guy, Zach Eady, who's their, kind of like their main player or something, but yeah. uh, what do you think that uh, in a couple years, that does he have the kind of talent that translates to the NBA, or do you think he's just uh, a good college player? Because I was uh, imagining watching him playing against uh, like uh, a Kenatumbo or some of those guys, but uh, 
I just wondered, like, are they looking ahead towards uh, an NBA career for him, or do you think he's just going to be a really good uh, college player? No, he'll be in. The, he'll be in the NBA now. He's like seven three, I believe. I think it was Saturday's game. He had thirty three points, seventeen rebounds. And I got to watch him up close last year in the Sweet 16 when they lost to St. Peter's in that big upset. He wasn't their main player. He was one. Jaden Ivey was their star, who's now with the Detroit Pistons. But Edie is good. And I remember him most of last season. I was really impressed with Purdue last year. And they did go to the Sweet 16. I thought they might go further. They won't be number one in the next hour or two when the new polls come out. But it's him, he'll get drafted. He's not listed as a top 10 player. So I don't, know if, I don't think he'll be a lottery pick. He could be the national player of the year, though. So your point about good college player, yeah, he's one of the top five in the country. He'll be All-American first team. And as of right now, he is in the running for well, the Wooden Award Player of the Year. Well, a lot of times, if you got a guy at that age, they're kind of like uh, they're too skinny and they need to put on weight. But at least uh, he looks like he's got some pounds on him. So he's yeah. not like a beanpole kind of uh, guy. And, uh, of course, I, I, I'm sure he still needs to work in the weight room and stuff like that, you know, as – as he progresses, but uh, I was just kind of progress. I was impressed with a guy like that tall that kind of has a good build, at least, uh, you know, because a lot of them are too skinny. Yeah, he's not too thin, but I, I agree he needs to put on some bulk and some weight uh, for the NBA They just go through an 82-game season with all the strong guys at that position. Again, I, I'm not going to predict how good he'll be in the NBA. I would assume he'll be a first-round draft pick. And I haven't checked the mock drafts in a while, but he'll be a first rounder. I just not. I don't think right now he'll be a lottery pick necessarily, but he could be. What year is he in in college anyway? I believe he's a junior. He's either a junior or a senior. I'll find out for sure right now. But I, I know he's he, he played at least three years there. But, uh, oh, but so he, 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 next couple of years, you'll see him coming out. Well, he's he's listed at seven four. By the way, I thought he was. I saw seven three. Uh, and. <laughs> And he's been there since 2020, so I guess he is a senior this year, even though it doesn't really uh, say what year he is. But he played four years there. And, uh, again, really good okay. player. He was a Big Ten All-Freshman of the uh, player and a second-team All-Big Ten last year. So, again, not a guy. And here are his numbers for this year, by the way. He is averaging 21.3 points, 2.3 blocks, and 13 rebounds. This is his uh, third year playing at Purdue. So I would assume because they're going to – well, they're going to be in the tournament, could go far, that he's probably going to uh, go to the NBA draft. He's also a part of the Canadian uh, national team as well. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, okay, thanks for the call, John. And, yeah, Zach Eady. I didn't realize he was that big uh, until I saw him in person last year. And he, he's legit. Again, he has really good numbers. Purdue, a really good team. And one of the things when I look at college basketball this year is that I don't think there's one dominant team. I think Tanner was saying this during the break, and I've said it a few times over the last few weeks. No Duke, Carolina, or Kentucky that you think are Final Four teams this year. In fact, Kentucky and Carolina aren't even ranked. Duke is, and they beat North Carolina on Saturday, but it just doesn't seem like the same Duke team, partly because there's no Coach K. Hey, wanted to get in this story. Tanner and I were talking about this earlier, and I'm not sure if anybody heard about it. And it's a really, again, it's a, a, a bad story, a sad story. It happened at Colorado State over the weekend. They're playing Utah State. Utah State has a Ukrainian guard, Max Shulga. And the fans there in uh, Fort Collins were chanting, Russia, Russia. You're all aware of the war in Ukraine. You, uh, his family, Shulga's family, still lives in the Ukraine. 
And that was really, really, that's crossing the line. Students at a lot of these games in certain towns in the mainland, they get pretty vulgar. They get pretty creative. I've been to Maryland Duke games where they do kind of somewhat cross the line, maybe not as much as Duke fans. But what Colorado State did over the weekend with those Russia chants, and Colorado State issued an apology, that was pretty bad. And to me, that did cross the line. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting behavior, in, in my opinion. I don't think that's something that a lot of people would disagree with. There is, I mean, it is always funny whenever I compare, you know, Hawaii to the mainland in terms of cheering from fans. Like, I always feel bad whenever I cheer bad against another team during competition. Mm. Like, I always remember when I watch men's volleyball and, like, another team has a really great set, you always hear from Hawaii fans, you know, you hear the clapping, you always hear the, oh, man, that's a great set. And usually if another team's player is doing really well and he sits down, you hear, you know, applause from the Hawaii State, from the Hawaii crowd. And it's just like, then you flip it to the mainland and you have like people like that who are just cheering, jeering at the players. You have guys who are, you know, arguing with our players' fathers in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Jovan's dad has gotten into a couple of uh, arguments on the mainland a couple of times. I know his I'm family sure, was there Saturday, I'm sure, but yeah. I'm sure they're used to that because that's just they're, you know, they're all for that. Like, I don't know if that's just because I was born and raised here and I'm just not used to it. Like, I just find that, like, so weird to just, like, be super anti, like, the other team and not just want wish for good competition. That's, like, the naivete uh, in me, I guess. But I, I just, agree. I think, but, like, even despite that, it's hard to not hear that and just think, wow, that's just, like, what happened with, like, the uh, BYU uh, women's, uh, was it the women's volleyball it was, team? It was volleyball against South, was it South Carolina, I believe, playing at BYU. Yeah, I think so. So I think there's just a lot of, a lot of behavior the last two years that have just been deemed as unacceptable that we just really got to clean up as as sport watchers in this country. Yeah, and I, again, I use Maryland because I've been to a number of games on campus there in basketball. And there, there were some things they said that I wouldn't repeat on radio, uh, and there were some that were pretty creative. And, I mean, they get creative. That's pretty cool. I mean, the Duke fans had to chant one for a year or two for Gary Williams, the coach who was really known to be sweating a lot during game, and the chants were, sweat, Gary, sweat. No, that's kind of funny, a little creative. It doesn't cross the line. Uh, some you of sure the that things wasn't for I you, heard, Gary? There was, it might have been because I was a little hot that time. The one I might, that I I said, might start that chant uh, yeah. from time to time. I'll get that in a little while when Chris brings up Kyrie Irving. Hopefully he won't, but then I'll start sweating. But the one I remember the most, and I'll just repeat it, it was just so bad when uh, Chris Paul played at Wake Forest. His, it was either his grandmother or his grandfather was murdered, I believe, working at a gas station in the Carolina. And when they played Duke the next game of the Duke fans were chanting how's your grandfather or how's your grandma and I forget which one which grandparent it was but that really crossed and I remember this is 20 years ago and I still remember that not seeing it on TV but reading about it there's been some others but uh yeah what what I mean this is a war his family lives in Ukraine and that's that first of all that's not very creative it's just vulgar and I, ho- I, I don't know, I just know there was an apology issued in one of the comments where it wasn't all the students, it was just a small number. I don't know what the number was, one is too many, but I would hope they would ban fans like that from ever going to a game. 
that's just really, really sad. But anyway, enough on that. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Got a lot more going on in the month of February where pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training on the major league level. UH baseball starting their season in less than two weeks. Softball this Friday. In fact, we'll have a softball game coming up this Friday night on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, got that to talk about and a lot more with the sports animals here, ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, and our special best friend, and I guess he's kind of a guest. And it's too bad, though, because as we welcome in Chris Hart, I don't know if he realized, but we've already closed off the Kyrie Irving topic for the day. Uh, as Tanner and I agreed, well, no I more Kyrie listening. Irving talk the rest listening. of the it's day, stupid. the rest of the week. You know what? You should You should also, uh, you know, one thing you also uh, didn't do is congratulate a lot of the state, uh, the winners in the high school state tournaments. We just did. We just spent 10 10 to 12 minutes on it. I was listening. Tanner? I didn't hear a thing. Yeah, we oh talked about goodness. it in the 7 o'clock hour. We had like yeah. an almost almost a 15-minute talk about it. Oh, it must have been actually while I was in the shower. Did oh, you talk that, about, that's what, it, you that's talk what about, it was. Okay. Did you talk about the paddling championship? I did. I brought he that did. up. I did that. Tanner right. did, did, you, Chris, did you talk about the Kapa'a girls winning the first time in their history of state championship? We did. I mentioned how they got a fire, a water salute at the airport. Now, a how fire water? Sh- yeah, you how talked about a fire a water, water? A water salute from the fire department. How long are your showers anyway? I thought they were <laughs> two, three minutes. That's what Mrs. Hart says. I didn't even. That's funny. I didn't even hear it. And I've been listening. I got it. You know, I, I was uh, sleeping in a little this morning, and uh, and so I was. Just, I, you know, no reason. I just felt like sleeping tardy. in a little. Yeah, so I was a little tardy today, but I was listening on the sideline Hawaii app, and then I'm like, oh, okay, they're good. Anyway, <laughs> hey, hi, welcome, good morning. Hi, we good did morning, cover that sunshine. a lot. It was a great weekend in high school sports. Yeah, we did cover. Yeah, it, it certainly much was. It certainly was, and now the HHSAA gang can take a nap for a moment. But you got boys' uh, championships coming up now in basketball yeah. and yeah. some stuff. But anyway, hey, uh, thank you, everyone, who had us last night at the uh, for the love of the game fundraiser, Rainbow Warrior basket uh, football, baseball, one of those. <laughs> Imagine, you know what? Those baseball players, some of them look like football players. Those guys are huge. Oh yeah, I was hanging out with my close personal friend Tyler Sheff. And, and well, I was I was talking to Matt Apana and Kenny Harrison and Tyler Chef and some of the the guys from back in the day, and uh, and then the the baseball players walked by and they're all like six three or six four. I said, boy, the the, the look that ba- the, the look of the baseball college baseball player has changed in the last few years, hasn't it? I mean, they're just huge. I would imagine those are first basemen, pitchers. I don't think you're going to see too many catchers or shortstops that are six three. Right. I mean, there's some normal sized people, but they got a lot of big guys too. But um, I was really impressed with um, some of the, the the softball team was there. Coach Cool was there, and Coach D and and their gang, and they've got you know not one, not two, but three really good pitchers. Uh, on their team, but some of those girls looked like they were like weightlifting champions. I was like, "Whoa!" Totally in awe. I was like, "Man, they got some, they got they got some muscle on that team." It was pretty impressive. They start their season this Friday. In fact, we're going to have a game coming up on Friday, and Bob Cullen will be joining the show on Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway, so it was good to see them. 
Uh, but it was it was good fun. So thank you to everyone who came out, and there was a lot of people. Thank you, even the lots of folks just sat in the stands. It wasn't all just people at tables, but uh, sat in the stands to for a good cause for Rainbow Baseball. Hung out with Don Robs. That was kind of cool. I'll bet. I well, see because then you hang there, and then all the important people come up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I see Don at the basketball games. I don't get a chance to say much because he's walking by while we're on the air doing countdown to tip-off, but I see him often. But glad that he was making it last night. And uh, Scott Robbs as the uh, MC I saw. Yes, MCing away. There's not much to do as the MC because they got music going all the time. I didn't stay that late. I, I stayed for like an hour and a half, and it was, you know, time to go home, right? I'm not, <laughs> even though that was kind of late for me, I was like, oh, I'm home. It's ooh, 8 o'clock. <laughs> Past your bedtime. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, spring practice. So I saw Timmy Chang, and I, I know you guys mentioned that spring practice is uh, starting today for University of Hawaii. When I talked talk to Coach Timmy, he didn't, you know, he said that they were planning on doing this early anyway is one of the things that he said, not just because of the construction yeah. of the stadium, because if they were going to do, you know, construct the stadium, I'm, I'm guessing they need Cook Field to just put a bunch of uh, to, for storage so to speak you know what i mean it's not you you gotta you gotta bring all the stuff here and then you take it and you erect more seats so i'm guessing yeah. they they can't because i was guessing thinking before well why don't they just practice on cook field and the practice fields like they used to for years and years but i'm thinking they need that space yeah uh, i think in steven side's article he mentioned that cook field is getting some work done on it i'm not sure if it's renovation or work or whatever exactly it is but they, it won't be uh, usable later on so that's one of the reasons they're doing you know having everything now but oh i forgot the highlight of my evening i was uh, hanging out i w- uh, hung out for a few minutes with steven Sy. And I, I think he said hi or something. What did you guys converse about? I don't remember. <laughs> you know, just you know, just small talk, just how's it going, you know, that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, let's get back to the sports. So spring practice uh, starting off, and it's kind of exciting. I I like the fact that you're not having a spring game. You'll have some kind of spring scrimmage or something like that. And I think, you know, really – the more time you spend practicing, because that's what Coach Timmy wants to do, is spend more time just, you know, he's got to teach the run and shoot. Um, you know, you got to, there, there, there's so many things he's got to work on. you got 30 new players. Not all of them are here for spring, of course. Right. But you've got 30 new players coming in, and, you know, there's still a lot of unanswered questions, especially on the defense. So he's going to use every hour, every minute, on uh, just getting these, uh, you know, just uh, getting everybody ready for the season. You know, we talked about it last hour, Tanner and I. We were talking about some of the quarterbacks on this year's spring roster. And one of the things that Stephen wrote in yesterday's article, uh, quoting Timmy Chang, about Joey Yellen. This was kind of surprising. Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. He said that Joey Yellen reminds him of Nick Rolovich. And partly talked about year two when Nick started playing fantastic. I think he's hopeful that Joey Yellen, when he gets an opportunity, can put up numbers similar to what Nick did, including the game against Ben Roethlisberger, 500 yards, I think seven touchdowns yeah. in that one. But that was interesting to see. And I forgot that uh, Jake, I forgot that Jake Farrow is still on the roster, but he is on the roster right now. We just called him a reliable player. So, I know we all saw the article, but I, what I'm, I just hope that if when he reminds of Nick Rolovich, it's not like, um, you know, because, you know, Joey Yellen's going to get blackballed or anything like that. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think that's what he meant. No, that's that's not what he, I just wanted I'm to make sure. Pretty sure. I, I should have asked him last night. It's you know, <laughs> how many names he gonna drop in the next half hour? We're just trying to keep track. 
Uh, I was just talking about people you wanted to hear how the uh, the evening went, and uh, those are the people I knew. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a There's minute. There's a lot of people okay. I didn't know that I didn't talk to. Wait a minute. I asked you how the evening went, and all, you didn't tell me anything except you talked about who was there and who you talked to and who you met. You didn't say oh. anything about how the evening went. Well, I think that uh, I think that uh, the uh, Imua did a great rendition of Wagon Wheel by okay, well, that's uh, by what's his name? What's the guy's name from Hootie and the Blowfish? Darius, Darius Rucker. Rucker. You know who wrote that song? No. Bob Dylan. Wow. Number one song in the country for a little while on the country charts. And wow. song of the year, actually, uh, the year it came out. And there's a, that's what you got today here on <laughs> National Frozen Yogurt Day. Oh, yeah. National Frozen Ooh. Yogurt Day. Yeah. I had a chilled yogurt for breakfast when I woke up, but it wasn't frozen. All right. Well... Today it's going to be breezy and mostly sunny. We've got a 40% chance of rain and 100% chance of a traffic report coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Happy Monday. Flag football looked like a lot of fun uh, in the flag football game for the Pro Bowl games. Uh, but I know you don't want to talk about that because you're a basketball guy and you want to talk about the uh, what a great person. I mean, he should win some kind of an award, you know, for being like a, there should be a at the end of the every NBA season. There should be a sportsmanship award, something like that. And call it the Kyrie Irving Award because he's such a great teammate, isn't he? That's a good point. Though he did give out twenty thousand meals for homeless people during COVID, I agree with you. That's a great gesture on your part. Yeah, but I'm talking about being an NBA teammate is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like the Walter Payton Award or anything you do off the court. I'm uh, talking about a guy whose team should be contending for a championship, but he decides that oh, well, I can't get a long-term contract, so uh, please trade me. Well, you know, he did win a championship on his last second shot for Cleveland, so he is a great teammate. I agree with that as well. You agree that Kyrie Terry, honestly, seriously, what do you think um, about this? I I'm mean, mad at him now. This? Could you see you mad at him, but couldn't you see this coming? Couldn't you see this coming? Oh, oh he yes. came back to play, and he decided not to, you know, uh, take a week vacation during the season, so he's a really good guy. Well, you know well, what? You need him more than ever, and he's like, hey, trade me because we can't work out a deal. I get it. It's a business at the same time. But there's a reason you can't work out a long-term contract, Kyrie. You can't be trusted. True, but, but, and this is a big but, I think he did the Nets a little bit of a favor by asking for this trade, not demanding, but asking for the trade before the trade deadline because if they don't trade him, He's going to be a free agent July 1st, and there's no way he's coming back, and they're going to get nothing in return. They got something in return. They got a lot in return for him. So in a way, 
he kind of did him a favor. Now, he wanted the extension four years, $198 million, $50 million a year, basically. They said, no, we're not sure about that yet, which is sure. smart on their part, finally. Right. He wants the max it. deal. He wants the it. max deal. Well, he's earned it on the court. He just can't be trusted off to know if he'll be around long enough to earn that kind of money. So deserving. Okay. So <laughs> you, you get rid of the problem. Uh, and, I, again, I think it was, it was sad. And I'm wearing my Kyrie Irving net shirt for the last time. I will dump it after this. I have a couple of them. Again, just I'll never get to see him play as a net. And I've gone to a few games. I'm going to go to one more. He um, wore out his walk. And one of the headlines is, you can mav him. Uh, the net mare is over. <laughs> That's this one. Him. You can mav him. Uh, Byrie, uh, Kayanara, uh, you name it. There's been people just wanting that. that wanting him gone. Kayanara, they were stretching on that one a little bit. I a think. little bit. But, again, it's unfortunate because he is a great player, and so, what they so okay. So what yeah. I'm saying seems to be the general consensus is, good riddance, get yes. out of here, finally. Yet yeah. you are saying he's a great guy. Look at all this stuff I'm he joking. does. I'm joking about that. He oh, he's a great are. player. He's a great. Oh, you're player. joking now. And I wonder what team he's going to play for in the All Star game because now he's in the West. He got voted in the East. Nobody really cares about he's that. He's not going to show up. He's not oh, going to show up. For the All-Star game, he will. No, he All won't. Right. It's too It's too much trouble for him. No, you're a Dallas Mavs fan. You got him now. He's your problem. I told you I'm a Heat fan. I got I got, I got. tired of the Mavericks. Maybe the Mavericks will be a little bit more fun to watch. Now that you maybe not every time they go down the court, it's going to be Luka Doncic backing his way in, turning around and shooting a fadeaway. Because that's, that's exactly what they do. Sometimes he stops and pulls up and hits a three, you know, to change things up a little. But the Dallas Mavericks are the most boring basketball team I've seen since, I don't know, what's going to be known have as the Nets starting to, uh, after the <laughs> tomorrow. Have you seen the Houston Rockets lately? Uh, no, nobody's seen the Houston Rockets lately. Yes, uh, San Antonio Spurs, I, don't wanna, I know you like Yeah, I, I, I think Dallas yeah, I, I, really I, I, wanted I, I, to get over that hump. They're number six in the West, and this makes them a better team this year. They have a chance to win. And Mark Cuban also added that it also he doesn't want them going to the Lakers because the Lakers would have been really good with him. I think the Lakers will be okay, and maybe they'll make a move anyway, but I think the Lakers get him, and they're one of the favorites in the West. And Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, apparently said, I don't want Kyrie getting traded to the Lakers. He strongly suggested or strongly preferred was the wording that they don't trade him to L.A. So the Lakers had a good deal on the table. But the Nets took a little bit less. And see when they get okay. Spencer Dinwiddie, who they you, like. You don't. Why doesn't uh, Why doesn't uh, Stephen Sire? What's the guy's name? Joe, Joe Sire. Stephen Sire doesn't want him either. But Joe Sire. Why does he not want them to go to the? Okay, go to the the Lakers. There was no specific reason given. I just don't think he wanted another power with LeBron having an easier path to a final. That's just my opinion. They didn't. There yeah, was but, no reason listed. But, but you're was, the Brooklyn Nets. You're not going to make the finals. You're not going to come close to making the finals. They should well, save some money, get rid of get uh, rid of Kevin Durant, and give that team an enema. You don't think they they could be close to making the finals? They I get Spencer know. Dinwiddie, a borderline All Star. Cam Thomas at forty four the other night, but they're still not done. They're supposedly going to try to trade some of these first rounders they've uh, accured and make a deal for another veteran. They accured? Yes, yes, accured. So they, they're not done dealing. And if they make another deal for a decent player. They, they can't they, come close to the Bucks or the oh, Celtics. They can come close to they can. In. Kevin Durant, oh Spencer gosh. Dinwiddie, Ben Simmons, and. Actually, we don't even know what Spencer Dinwiddie can do. Sure we do. Oh, because, Chris. Because, oh, Chris. 
because he hasn't shot the ball in the last three years. He's averaging 17 and a half points. <laughs> I'm just saying that he never shoots for Dallas. He's probably like, yeah, I can actually get the ball nowadays. 17 half and a half points does not a superstar make. Hold that thought. Be right back. ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. We're the Sports Animals, and uh, top headlines are following today, of course, going on right now at the University of Hawaii Lower Campus. Spring practice underway today for Rainbow Warrior football. Yeah, an exciting time of the year. Football is back, and several of the new players that we haven't seen before are there. I'm really interested in the quarterback competition that they have, and I'm not sure if they'll have a depth chart after spring practice. Sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't, but that'll be fun to follow. All right, uh, University of Hawaii uh, Rainbow Warrior and Wahine basketball victorious on Saturday. That was good news. Oh, it was much better field than on Thursday when they both lost. And for the Rainbow Wahine, with all those injuries, they able to beat Cal Poly going away, eighty to fifty-eight. Uh, they hit. They missed their first shot that hit nine in a row. And uh, Callan Spiller had a really good game. First time in a while she's been their leading scorer. I know how good she can be. And they just went on a 22-4 to run in that first quarter and just never looked back. And it was great not to let Cal Poly in the game, back in the game, after they had that big lead. For the men, I thought it was an important game that you couldn't hold, afford a loss. Hold, hold on there, uh, Sparky. Let's go back to the Rainbow Wahine and Callan Spiller. She scored 19, but there were five players in double figures, showing that it's a really good team effort for the Rainbow Wahine. I like that. Uh, Wahine Kapu had 10, Hare with 11, McBee 13, Phillips with 12, and then Callan Spiller, yeah, uh, 9 of 11 uh, for uh, 19 points. That's pretty special. That's a good, that's a, that's a nice, uh, that's a good night. Yeah, she said she wanted to concentrate on her low post game. And she's really an outside shooter as well. But she mm. knew if she posted up down low, she would open up the shooters on the outside. And that's exactly what happened. Kelsey Mai, uh, you know, didn't have the most points, the, the point guard. But, boy, she, uh, she, she uh, is one of the reasons uh, they were victorious by so much. All the different little things that she did, according to Coach. Yeah, she'll get a lot more playing time now with the injuries. And, uh, so she'll, and we know what she did last year when she started getting more minutes down the stretch. So she's an important player. She can step right in and not miss a beat with a player like Kelsey. Yeah, Ashley Thomas comes off the bench. I mean, 24 minutes for Ashley Thomas. Uh, uh, Tom, Tom, I keep calling her Thomas. Ashley Thomas, though, coming off the bench, 24 minutes. That might be her high of the year. She just doesn't see the court a lot this year. She was another important rotation player last year, so a lot of playing time in that Big West Championship. So, again, you, you have that experience coming in. When players go down, they've got some players that can really step in who have been there and done that before. Yeah, so the uh, Rainbow Wahine, they, for the game, they shoot 54%, 9 of 25 for 36% three-pointers, and uh, 68% uh, free throws. So they could they can improve a little bit on the uh, free throws, but uh, overall, a uh, nice game. Scoring 80 is, uh, you know, you don't see that a lot. No, I think that's their high. And you mentioned the 54% shooting. From Thursday night, I think it was in the mid-25%. It was 15 of 60 yeah. for 25% to go from there to what they did. That's why it was not only important to win, but to play that well on both ends of the court. Yeah, and uh, like uh, you know, like Arnold Martinez says, like the coach says, it's not who you play, it's how you play. And this was definitely uh, the, the competition on Saturday. Wasn't near the competition they played on Thursday, but... It's good to come out and play well 
heading into next week. They sweep Cal Poly. They beat them, I believe, 50-47 to 47 up at Cal Poly on New Year's Eve. So, you know, that was a close game. They saw what they did at home against a team like this with a depleted roster. So I think, again, a really important victory. Hopefully they can do the same on the road this week. Right, so uh, nice. Uh, Hawaii only had 11 turnovers. You'll take that, right? Yep. Oh, that's a great number, great number. Yeah, the uh, actually not a ton of turnovers by either side uh, during the game. But at the same time, congratulations. So the Rainbow Wahine now 7-5 and five in conference play. And, um, again, you didn't have how many starters? Is it three starters? Well, you're missing two starters. I guess Jovi LaFoto is a rotation player who a lot of times finishes game, but she's not a starter. Right, but in the last couple of games before she got hurt, she's playing She's playing like 20 minutes, 25 yeah. oh, minutes yeah. a game, something yeah. like that. So, yeah. anyway, keep it up. Uh, you know, the, the, the you're, they're going to be the underdogs now in a lot of games. Probably most of the games that they're going to play. I, I haven't looked at the schedule but this is not the team that won the Big West last year. No, it is. And they play UC San Diego on the road Thursday. UC San Diego is just ahead of them in the standings by a game. So yeah. that is a really important game for them come uh, Thursday night on the road. Yeah, Derek Lowe is going to join us. Uh, of course, uh, analyst for Rainbow Warrior Basketball here on ESPN Honolulu. He's going to join us in, oh, I don't know, 13 minutes. We'll also check your traffic then, too. But the Rainbow Warrior men improved to 8 and 4 in conference play 17 and 7 overall with the win over Cal Poly 69 to 56 and it looked like a, a great game for Kamaka Hepa wow maybe his best game as a rainbow warrior he had four of six threes and two of them he got fouled on he hit all six free throws when he got fouled on three pointers so mm-hmm. he had a monster game and one i think it was one off his career i know he had 30 early this season also uh, had six rebounds it was a good defensive effort by the whole team and they did good defensively over over cal poly and th- on threes and overall field goals and they scored well only 10 turnovers a lot of assists. Last game, they had five assists on 24 baskets. Saturday, 11 assists on the 19th field goal. They did a good job there. And Jovan McClanahan didn't have a great shooting night, but six assists, one turnover, unbelievable ratio. And he also added, once again, five rebounds. I love this guy. He is the MVP of this team and proves at every single game how important he is this year. Uh, we got a text. Somebody texted in and said they didn't uh, see the Cal Poly game. But was there a reason Justin Jackson had a low amount of minutes? I mean, he played only 36 seconds. Did he re-injure something? Ron Gannat last Saturday against Bakersfield did tell us that he's still not 100%. Hmm. So I, I think that's the main reason he's not playing a lot. He's, he's, he's back and he can play, but his minutes were a little limited. Now, when Jovan is playing 37 minutes like he did on Saturday, you're not going to get a lot necessarily. You can fit in, you can fill in for either guard, I guess. But I believe that's still the reason why he's not playing more, because of the injury not being back yet. All right. Uh, let's see. What else is going on? Kyrie Irving is doing Kyrie Irving things. We talked about that. Uh, congratulations to uh, a lot of uh, state champions this past weekend. Yeah, Iolani Girls Basketball won for the fourth consecutive year state champions on the D1 level. I had forgotten it was that many years in a row. I know they've been really good. And they beat Kona Wina by 21 on uh, Friday night, 59-38. I didn't hear what you said. All I heard was dominant. Well, I mean, four, four Pete. That doesn't happen much. And I mean, 
how many teams have won four peats in high school sports locally? I guess St. Louis football did it way not that not that long ago, but they've uh, done well, it. But that's well, still there's quite an accomplishment. Punahou tennis, Punahou track, uh, Punahou water polo. I mean, you want me to keep going on? <laughs> Come on! Only really mentioning Punahou. Well, that's how we roll. I'm just joking. There's a, but I understand what yeah. you're saying. I'm just I'm just teasing. But um, and uh, so congratulations. Uh, see, now it's going to sound like I'm a homer, but congratulations to uh, Punahou boys, Punahou mixed team, state champions in paddling, and then Kamehameha ladies. You know, Tanner, they're called Kamehameha. Or KS Kapalama is okay, too. But congratulations to their girls who won the state championship. God, Tanner forgot about the paddling. You forgot about girls' soccer. Girls' soccer won. I haven't gotten to it yet. Who won? Um, well, D2 was Pac-5 over Kapaha, <laughs> one nothing. Oh, yeah, to V1, put a whole beat. Uh, they beat Kamehameha 3 nothing. Actually, I was watching on uh, on uh, the, the Felipe channel. I was wa- I don't know who the broadcasters were. Was it Felipe for soccer? I, I was watching. I watched TV. Mililani and Punahou. Uh, I was flipping through and I saw that uh, yesterday. One to nothing in the semis. Uh, that was that was a close game. And Mililani was the number two seed. Uh, but uh, yeah, congratulations um, to uh, Punahou for winning their twelfth state title uh, in uh, girls soccer. Kapaa beat uh, Hanalani for their first ever state basketball title. I'm just a I'm just uh, here at scoringlive.com, folks. If you want to see, you know, some great photos and stories on the state championships. So coming up, we've got the boys' state championships uh, for basketball. Anything else? Boys' soccer? Bo- uh, well, uh, not boys' soccer isn't yet, but girls, I mean, uh, D1 and D2 for the boys' uh, high school basketball championship. D1 starts tonight. D2 starts on Wednesday. Yeah, I think boys' soccer starts as well. It starts this week? Yeah. Because okay. in boys' basketball, it starts today, right? Yeah. So you got Mililani against Moanalua. Uh, you have Konawaina and Kahuku. Marinol against Lelehua. And Lahaina Luna and Kailua. Ooh, Kailua's got to travel to Maui. And then boys' soccer, you've got uh, Waikea. Uh, unless Kaiser just routinely goes to the Big Island to play soccer games at this time of the year. <laughs> I'd say it's a state championship, Gary. Anyway, Kaiser and Waiakea. Oh, Na'ali'i! Uh, going to King Kaulike. And then uh, Kailua and Kalani, and then Kapole will be playing Punahou at Punahou. So, uh, hey, congr- congratulations to all the teams who have made it this far, and good luck. Everybody stay healthy, okay? We'll be rooting you on here. And, uh, folks, if you want to send us info and photos and things like that, get it to us here at ESPN Honolulu. And we will start our coverage for the D1 Boy Championship. We'll have a doubleheader on Wednesday afternoon coming up on CBS 1500. So Basketball you're talking boy, about. D1 basketball, yeah. The finals on Friday we'll have as well. All right. Uh, Tanner was mentioning off the air. I didn't see this. I think everyone else did. But uh, Hawaii's Hawaii's own Bet Midler. I'm sorry. <laughs> we still claim Bet Midler, don't we? Why not? Uh, she, doesn't want be, does. she doesn't want to be claimed by Hawaii. That's the whole thing. She didn't have a good childhood here. She's uh, mentioned, I remember, on some talk shows before. Anyway, Hawaii's own Adrian Clem is now on the uh, coaching staff with the New England Patriots. So his 
career has become full circle because you'll remember Adrian Clem was their first draft choice coming out of college from the University of Hawaii. Remember that? Yeah, but wouldn't he come full circle if he came back to UH? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or whatever high school he yeah, came from, I I'm guess. Just joking, yeah. What I'm getting at is he was yeah. a second-round draft choice, but he was the first draft choice of the New England Patriots coming out of the draft and had a great NFL career. Uh, he was, a, you know, one of the young up-and-coming college coaches interviewing for head coaching jobs, and then something happened and um, uh, he got in trouble for a recruiting violation or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so that derailed his career a little bit. He spent some time with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, assisting on their offensive line last year and a couple of years before that, but now has resurfaced with the New England Patriots. I remember a few years ago, it might have been at UCLA or before there, he was considered the best offensive assistant coach, not a coordinator, but the best, one of the best offensive assistant coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. And I think he won an award or two for that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. But back in New England, back in New England, yeah, I'm going to see what he does with that team, and I'm glad he got a good position like that. Was able to go back from college to the NFL again. Yeah. All right. And uh, the uh, I don't know if you caught any of the uh, the Pro Bowl game activities this past weekend. In, in I watched some of the highlights. That was about it. I didn't watch any of it live. They had highlights of tug-of-war and stuff? What did you watch? They, uh, what were the I, highlights you were watching? I watched some of the highlights of the, the best catch. Well, that was actually not too bad when I saw. I saw highlights uh-huh. of the game yesterday when Tyreek Hill got hit hard out of bounds by Jalen Ramsey. He didn't get hit that hard. He he fell to the ground, but he didn't stick him. And it was more of, and he didn't do it on purpose. I know, I know. He, yeah, he, kind, yeah. he just ran into him by accident because he was running that way, and then um, Tyreek Hill stopped to get a lateral from Devontae Adams in the flag football game. But I tell you what. Those players seemed to really enjoy themselves in the flag football game, didn't they? The reviews they after they it. loved it. They really liked it. A couple of comments before, Josh Jacobs said this game is, quote, stupid. Uh, there's another player that said that. But a few players, like Saquon Barkley, said this was a great uh, opportunity. But after the game, it seemed like everybody enjoyed it, except for maybe Miles Garrett. Oh, because he dislocated his toe? Yeah. Yeah, that's sore. I mean, he'll be okay when the season's seven months away from starting. He'll be yeah. okay. But that's just that's just uncomfortable. I would imagine. So now I'm, I'm curious what the NFL will do. Is this going to be the way to go in the future? Because they're going to judge what? everything. The flag football game and all this. They haven't decided the, what the next year will look like. The flag football game? There was a flag football game and a flag football game? Yeah. Oh, I missed the flag well, part you, of it. you shouldn't have. Well, I guess you were taking a, a shower or something. Like <laughs> all right. Uh, got a text. Aloha. I'm from the old school days when the Pro Bowl was... At Aloha Stadium last night on ESPN, they were talking about the Pro Bowl. How this is a long sentence about the Pro Bowl. How disgusting it was. Still got hurt players. Want to come back to Honolulu? It was good place for them to bring their families. Yeah, I, I miss it back here too. I mean, I mean, I had more interest in it here because it was here, and even though it wasn't a real, a really regular season type game no sport isn't an all-star game i understood it and i was okay with it i i liked it here um when it was on the mainland at other uh, venues i didn't really like it as much but i like it better than what they have now that's just me yeah i mean i i the pro bowl look in 1986 1991 years like that here they played the pro bowl and it was a great game the guys were actually trying to win the game at the end in the fourth quarter. They're, they're turning up the volume. Hit. They, they ran faster, hit harder. 
They were playing to win. Back about 2015 is when they stopped playing to win, and the game got worse and worse and worse. So if you're going to bring me that Pro Bowl back, I say no thank you. I'll, I'll watch flag football. I'll watch the greatest catch competition, which was, I thought, unbelievable. Who was doing it in the swimming pool? Who was jumping in the water? And I don't know, somebody. Uh, that one was kind of lame. But the uh, the one where, and who are the quarterbacks? Matt Leinert and uh, Jimmy Clausen. Oh, really? <laughs> Jimmy Clausen. It's like, wow, they've got, there's a Jimmy Clausen sighting throwing footballs. <laughs> But anyway, it was. I mean, those are those are kind of fun things, and that's fun to to watch. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be all, hey, not playing golf this weekend, guys. The Pro Bowl games are on, but I'd say that was a lot better than having a bunch of guys hug themselves to the ground and you know not try. Okay, I mean, I understand that a lot of people seemingly liked it. I I, I still like a football game, and there were games recently right, where they played hard in the fourth quarter. Game in the, but you're not going to get a football game in the at the Pro Bowl, right? But it's not supposed to be a regular season game. No All Star game is like that. It's supposed to be right. a fun game, but it's still football the way we know it for the most it, part. No, but it's not. That's that was the point. That's why we got so bad that they said we're not even doing this anymore. It's a disgrace. There's a couple of years where it got really bad where they weren't right. even. It was too. It was way below the standard that a Pro Bowl would even. Have. Right. You're right. Look, yeah. a quarterback makes fifty million dollars a year. You think Lamar Jackson would come to Hawaii, not under contract, looking for a fifty million dollar deal? If you're making, a, if you're a ten million dollar a year running back, if you're a eighteen million dollar a year wide receiver, if you're a twelve million dollar a year tight end, you're not going to play in the in the hug fest because you can. There's a bigger, better. You're not even playing the flag football. That's you what I'm going to say. Yeah. But you shouldn't you, because it's just in. You could be out. A couple of you could be out a couple of hundreds of millions of dollars if you get hurt in one of these games. So you're not going to get it. You're not going to get. It. They make too much money to risk. NBA players playing their All Star game, they're making thirty, forty, fifty million. Are they constantly colliding into each other, Gary? As much as the football players in a Pro Bowl are, yeah. Maybe, and maybe you're right. It's but, an exhibition, and, right? And, and so with them. Foot, basketball is a little bit more palatable to watch when you're not going at 100%. Football is not. True. That's true. I mean, you, you, if, if you're watching the All-Star game or game between the Kings and the Grizzlies in the middle of the season, it's really the same thing. Nobody's playing defense. Everyone's kind of standing around and clearing out. The mm. NBA gets good after the All-Star break. Uh, I don't agree with that. I do. I, I think a lot well, of, of course people you agree, agree with it. <laughs> a lot of people agree that the NBA season doesn't get going until you start getting into the playoffs. Then when you're in the playoffs, that's great basketball, great athleticism. Uh, you know, middle of the season, eh, it's, it's, it's a bunch of load management and guys trying not to get hurt. That's what uh... the NBA has become. There are too many games. Derek Lowe agrees with me. He's coming up <laughs> next here. By the way, how would you like to win a big screen TV just in time for the big game? Jamison Irish Whiskey presents ESPN Honolulu's big game, big TV giveaway. Just follow, excuse me, just post, follow, and tag. Super easy. At ESPN Honolulu on Instagram, and you can win a 70-inch LG TV. Go check it out. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu.
big win for the University of Hawaii basketball team on Saturday against Cal Poly. They have a two-game homestand, only four games left at home for the rest of this season. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu to break it down and more is a color analyst with Josh Pacheco during the home game. Derek Lowe is with us, the legend Derek Lowe. Derek, your thoughts on Saturday's game, where after Thursday's loss, I thought it was a much important game, much important needed win for this team to get back on the winning track and hopefully get back to the top of the standings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've always heard me say this before. You know, it's, you, you want to at least split the road. The road games are, are always tough, and, you know, coming off a loss to UC Davis, you know, it was really important for Hawaii to get back on track, which they did. And, you know, they did it in great fashion. You know, I thought that, um, you know, Kamaka Hepa and Samuta had really, really exceptional games. And, you know, I, one of the, probably two of the main reasons why Hawaii was able to pull it off. Interesting in that Samuta, Kamaka, and Jovan McClanahan all took 11 shots. 33 of the 48 that they took. But both of those games, I agree, really had good shooting performances. Kamaka, one of his better games overall, four of six on threes, got fouled on two threes and made all six free throws as well. The team shot 23 of 24 from the free throw line, which helped their cause as well. Oh, yeah. Anytime you can go to the free throw line that much and, and, you know, hit it at a high rate, it definitely, you know, puts the game in favor of you. But like you said, I thought Kamaka Hepa. He really, you know, he had a decent he had a decent game against Davis. You know, had a little bit of foul trouble, so it was maybe out of rhythm a little bit. But, you know, he really turned it up a notch against Cal Poly and mixed it up. You know, he was, like you said, you know, seven of eleven from the uh, from the twos and four of six from the three. You know, but um, you know, mixing in some rebounds as well. But an all around good performance. I mean, twenty nine points. Eh? That's tough to do on the road. So you know, hats off to Kamaka. Yeah, to go to the free throw line that many times is great, and to make that many even better. I, I know I keep raving about Jovan McClanahan, and he had the highest plus-minus rating, which means how many points did the team score when you're on the court versus when how many teams did the other how many points did the other team score when you're on the court? He had a plus 17. What impresses you the most about Jovan McClanahan this season? No, you know I, I agree with you 100. percent You know I'm definitely a big fan of Jovan, especially you know when you see firsthand how much he's grown in the last couple years you know um you know he is small he does have some flaws to his game which i kind of nitpick at you know being a point guard myself but you know man he's a competitor and he plays probably the most minutes out of everyone he handles the ball more than anyone he takes the pressure off of everyone including you know noel coleman and everybody but you know like he just keeps on fighting. He's relentless on both ends of the floor. And, you know, he's getting a lot better with his assist-to-turnover ratio. He had six assists last game to just, just to one turnover. So that's, that, that's awesome from a point guard. Really impressive. We're talking University of Hawaii men's basketball with Derek Lowe here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You know, I want to ask you a question about two-point attempts versus three-point attempts. You had Jerome DeRosier on a, all the time for Countdown the Tip-Off, and a couple of games ago he was saying they don't actually want the team, unless they're layups or right around the basket, to take mid-range jumpers for the most part or two-point field goals. The three-pointers analytics show are obviously so much more valuable. Do you see that trend in college basketball overall where people are, teams are taking more threes for those reasons, and what are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, 
Yeah, I think so. You know, when you when you put it that way, I mean, I guess I guess we can all thank Steph Curry and Clay Thompson for that, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, more teams are are I guess they're just trying to lean towards you know shooting threes. But I mean, look at it this way: I'm not, I, I don't agree with it totally because you know one as as good as as much good shooters that Hawaii has. Teams have been able to push us off the three-point line a lot because, mm. you know, we do that to other teams as well. I mean, we're a great three-point defending uh, a team. And, you know, when teams push us off the line, what are we going to go to? You know, because we're, we're already, if, if they decide to cancel and not really want to shoot mid-range and get all the way to the rim, they're kind of just pigeonholed to try and get to the rim, you know, if you're not going to shoot a three. So I really don't like that, that imbalance, you know. I mean, I always say it's so much harder to guard you know, if you're not shooting a three, you know, I can get to the basket. I can get to my rid, uh, mid-range pull-up, you know, wherever. So, for me, you know, it, it makes it a lot more harder to guard. Uh, it, it, it puts a lot more pressure on the defense. And you're just not uh, pigeonholing yourself just to do one thing, you know what I mean? But I do right. understand what you're saying, but I'm, I'm not for it too much. Yeah, I mean, even Bakersfield a couple of Saturdays ago, they had that matchup zone that they used a lot in the second half. And as soon as Kamaka or somebody would get the ball outside the three-point line, they would just basically, two guys would kind of collapse on him and make it really difficult. So I like that point. One of the reasons I bring it up, when I watch Samuta Vea, Jovan McClanahan, I see both of those players for the last month or so hitting some really tough mid-range jumpers. And Jovan's oftentimes is in the paint had that little fadeaway, but he makes some tough shots. And even Samuta, you know, he was 5 of 11. Six of his attempts were two-point field goals. He made uh, three of those. But I thought he had a really good game and has done that consistently this year with the mid-range jumper. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we saw we saw games where Jovan, you know, is hitting threes. We've seen him get to the basket. But things started to really open up when he could stop because he always gets into the lane and kind of comes to a jump stop and starts to pivot. So he started to add, right, getting into the lane, jump stop, that reverse pivot into his little fadeaway jump shot, which is high percentage for him. Um, but uh, it, it's encouraging to see Samuta, you know, he's a, he's a decent catch-and-shoot player from the three. Once he gets that going, obviously players are going to run out at him, you know, and, and try mm, to stop right. that three-point shot. You know, the, uh, the last couple games, I mean, I think, was it against Davis where he hit, you know, his first three in the corner? But, yeah, um, I think so. Uh, anyway, de- defenses are going to run Kamaka off the three. They're going to run Noel off the three. They're going to start to run uh, Samuta off the three. And when they do that, I mean, one, two dribble pull up right into the open spot in the mid-range. I mean, Samuta does it occasionally, and, you know, he can get to that because he has great size and length. But, I mean, it could be a really, really high percentage shot, you know, if, if, if you can do it well. You will hear Derek Lowe Thursday and Saturday at 6.50 p.m. with Josh Pacheco on the call for Hawaii Basketball at Home. You see San Diego Thursday, Cal State Fullerton on Saturday. I don't know if I've seen a Saturday like this where over around the country I think there were 13 top 25 teams that lost last week. But in the Big West, the top three teams all lost on Saturday. Santa Barbara loses at CSUN. Irvine loses, uh, and Riverside lost as well. That was crazy. So now Hawaii, only a game and a half out of first place, still in the three-way tie, but a lot better than they were after Thursday night's game. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just trying to keep things interesting across the basketball landscape. (laughs) 
And hopefully yep. they'll continue to rise in the standings with a couple of wins this week as other teams will hopefully beat each other up. Derek, always great talking UH basketball with you. We love your insight during the broadcast. We'll get to hear it more again starting on Thursday night. Thanks again. Thanks, Derek. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. All right, Derek Lowe joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Sia in a Kia. All right. Uh, okay, who do we have again coming up? UC San Diego on Thursday. And, you know, they're struggling right now. They are only 3-9 and nine in conference. We beat them up there on the road last month. And then Saturday, Cal State Fullerton. They're 7-6, and six, but over the weekend they had a really big win. They beat Riverside on Saturday, so you know they're going to be tough, but at least we get them at home this time. All right. And, uh, okay, hey, coming up, uh, um, more uh, with the sports animals. Uh, we got some NBA, a lot of stuff. There's so many things to go over the Super Bowl. Let's get into that coming up here. Uh, and remember now, this week, every time you win with the sports animals, you'll also be qualified to win two tickets to see the Hall of Famer. Hmm. Good morning. I, I heard, uh, I was um, listening. There, there's all these different simulations of the Super Bowl and Super Bowl games. Uh, I heard, uh, you know, one uh, earlier this morning, you guys were talking about, there was one there, uh, the final score was 36 to 34. They did a Madden, um, you know, the, uh, the Madden video game. So they did the Madden game, and according to Madden, you know, they played the game, and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a boring Super Bowl. Uh, they, they they said the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are going to beat the Chiefs thirty-one to seventeen. Huh? Mm. Thirty-one to seventeen, Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, by the way, was named the MVP. He went twenty-six of thirty-three for two hundred eighty-two yards. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran 10 times for 88 yards and another touchdown. Wow, if that happens, throwing for almost 300 yards, no interceptions, a couple of touchdowns, and then you run for 88 yards and a touchdown, that's got to be one of the best Super Bowl performances ever, isn't it? It'd be up there. I don't know, it'd be like Tom Brady throwing for almost over 400 yards and Nick Foles that one year. No, um, they both. It wasn't four hundred. It was over three hundred, I think, for each. Or Phil Simms having one of the best Super Bowls. Yeah, but how many? Prize. How many touchdowns is Tom, Tom rushing yards and rushing touchdowns is Tom Brady had? No, he doesn't have. He doesn't have eighty-eight yards rushing. No, right. but he probably that's throws for more at. than two eighty in Super Bowls. I'm sure a few times. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm getting is a, what a complete game by a quarterback. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes can run if he wants to, not like Jalen Hurts. But he has escapability and the ad libability where he doesn't need to run that much. He'll just do a jump pass or shot put a ball to somebody or you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He's 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 still a Houdini out there. By the way, um, let's see. Uh let's see, there was a twenty six yard touchdown pass to AJ Brown, a sixty three yard touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. Huh? <laughs> Miles Sanders, fifteen carries, seventy eight yards. I'm going to keep this because after the Super Bowl this weekend, we can come back to this on Monday and go, okay, see how close it was. Wouldn't it be amazing? It wouldn't be amazing if the score was 31 to 17. That would be no fun. 
Well, 37, well, 37 34 would be a lot closer, of, of course, and maybe one of these predictions will come true. I thought it was I amazing. Wanna, but what I'm going to be looking for more importantly than the score is a 63-yard pass to Devontae Smith, a 26-yard pass to A.J. Brown, and Miles Sanders having 15 carries for 78 yards. Because those, those, those are pretty good highlights right there. I would think some of those will be at least close. That's kind of what they almost – well, 63 yards is hard to say. It happens that often, but – Miles by the Sanders way, numbers weren't outrageous. Yeah. By the way, Chris Jones, uh, the defensive tackle for the Chiefs, yeah. he's going to sack Jalen Hurts twice. Hmm. Okay, we're going to watch for that. Yeah. I'm not going to make All a right. prop bet on that necessarily, but I'm going to watch <laughs> for that. Hey, there's something super special going on at Dixie Grill, uh, barbecue and crab shack. We're going to talk to Joe Crockett's going to join us for a few minutes coming up next year on ESPN Honolulu. And then uh, we got some high school sports shorts as well. Coming up with the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Yeah, you're stuck with the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Weather-wise today, breezy and uh, mostly sunny. Got about a 40% chance of isolated showers here and there. Nothing real serious today. And uh, we are stoked because uh, our good friend Joe Crockett, he's general manager at the Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack in IAEA, where they have the best happy hour on the island. 32-ounce Bud Lights, just 6 bucks. Stella Artois, 6 bucks. we got the Jameson Special and more, but that's not why Joe's here. Joe, welcome. How are you? As always, Chris. Good morning, guys. Hey, the reason we have we had to get Joe on the air because they've got a bunch of special things coming up. But one of the things coming up at Dixie Grill, starting tomorrow, tell everybody about what's going on, Joe. Well, starting tomorrow, we have what's called our Tucko Tuesday. We here at Dixie, we don't take ourselves too serious, and we do things a little <laughs> different. So rather than a traditional Taco Tuesday where everyone's doing that, well, here at Dixie, we're going to do a Tucko Tuesday. Tucko! We're going to tuck... Tucko, T-U-C-K-O, Tucko Tuesday. Uh-huh. We are going to be tucking brisket, shrimp, and catfish into tortillas for you with our house-made pineapple pico de gallo. Uh-huh. We've got our pulled pork nachos, and we're also going to have the drink special for the day. It's going to be a bucket of Corona bottles for 20 bucks, and this is going to be all day on Tuesday, every Tuesday. Wow. Okay. So, the... the- it's Taco Tuesday because they'll tuck anything into a taco, right? They'll, I mean, they'll tuck anything. Okay, so it's like so on the plate you're going to have one catfish taco, right? Yeah, well, what it is, it's a uh, it, it's a taco platter, and we call yes. it a taco platter. It's not tacos, it's a taco platter. Mm-hmm. And the platter will have one brisket, one shrimp, and one catfish taco, and they'll be uh, covered <laughs> in our house-made pineapple pico de gallo. <laughs> or you can order each of those individually a la carte if you would prefer not to get the platter. Now, if I went there so I could say, you know what, I, I just want three catfish tacos. I could do that. that. That could be done, right? If you come in and you say you want three catfish tacos, we will certainly stuff catfish into three tortillas for you. <laughs> awesome. All right. And the uh, $20 beer bucket, uh, bucket of beers, uh, of Corona beers, and it's uh, going to be every Tuesday starting tomorrow so what time to what time joe uh we open at 11 a.m and we're open till 9 p.m and it will run 11 to 9 every tuesday 
Very good. And on top of that, you've also got the, you know, we talked a little bit about the best happy hour in town going on right now, and you've got some great specials there and uh, great happy hour uh, specials on Jack Daniels and Jameson, uh, also $6, we should mention, the peel-and-eat shrimp and fried crab stuffed devil eggs, calamari, and a lot more. Folks, the place to be, Dixie Grill in IAEA. Joe, thank you very much, and we'll see you tomorrow for Taco Tuesday. Look forward to you guys. Have a great week. All right, there he is. That's a man. If, okay, if you're if you're wondering, when you go into Dixie Grill, there's a guy that's about six four, with a beard that's about five four. <laughs> he, 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 Joe's the one with the really long beard. So go by and say hi to Joe uh, uh, Joe Crockett, General Manager, Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack. It's always a fun place over there. Taco Tuesday, I like that. Because they'll tuck anything into a taco. That's what he says. I like that. That's but cool. uh, hey, I, I, I'm I'm curious in uh, trying that out. But anyway, congratulations to uh, all the uh, the uh, the winners and the. And you know what? Congratulations to all the participants in the state tournaments we've had this past weekend, and um, not you know this past week actually. Because we celebrate a lot of times the state champions, and look what uh, Kapa'a did for the first time in their history. Look at how far the Hanalani girls team went, and look at the power of your Iolanis and Punahos and Kamehamehas. And that's kind of cool, but there's a lot of like smaller schools that they're celebrating. Maybe this is the first time they went to a state championship. And that's a pretty big deal for a lot of people. Oh, it sure is. You know, not to be negative at all, I agree with you, but one thing I felt bad about with the rain on Saturday, the consolation games in the state soccer championship were canceled. They only played uh-huh. the championship game for D1 and D2. They weren't able to. And I understand that, especially with neighbor island school. You're not be able to. You're not really able to make them up. They did have a week of games, but they weren't able to play their last one. That's unfortunate, but it was due to weather and you know, so we understand it as well. But, yeah, I, I, I love watching, you know, everybody really intends the emotions, everything about being in a state tournament here in high school. Man, it's been well over the years, and it's great competition. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, that's a bummer because for a lot of maybe seniors, that would have been their last game, and it got canceled because of the rain. Yeah, it's too bad, but Yeah. Well, uh, you can uh, follow the high school action on uh, CBS 1500 uh, coming up Wednesday at 5 o'clock. It is the HHSAA Boys Basketball Tournament. Uh, John Tamanaha with the call there for us. Uh, Kamehameha Hawaii against we don't know who yet. No, we'll find out t- tonight after the games are completed. Okay, and then 7 o'clock. Uh, Dan Hale, shout out. St. Louis taking on uh, TBD as well. So you got a doubleheader on Wednesday and a doubleheader on Friday already. The D2 Championship starting at 5 o'clock, and the Division One Championship at 7 o'clock. All the action, once again, CBS 1500. That's the place to be. Yeah, I, I love the high school tournament, and uh, it's going to be I, – I can't – I mean, St. Louis is the defending champ, so you know they're going to be a favorite. They're the overall number one seed. Campbell, from what I have seen and heard this year, is really, really impressive. They had a great regular season winning the OIA for the first time. And you mentioned Dan Hale again. I mean, they lost a lot of players from last year's team. And I don't know if they were picked to go back and be the number one seed this year, but they haven't missed a beat, really, in a really tough ILH. But there are some other schools that we know are more than capable, whether it's Marino on the ILH side, Mililani on the OIA side. And I'm curious about the Kamehameha's on the 
on Maui and the Big Island as well. Also top seeds in getting a bye this week. Yeah, right on. All right, got a couple of minutes left in the show. Um, Steph Curry got hurt. That was kind of a, a bummer. Yeah, he's got it was a, it, it got need in the knee, basically. He was playing defense. I forget which player it was that came at him. They just kind of locked knees at the last second. You had to really look yeah. for it because it didn't happen with the initial sort of contact. But he ran like 10 rows into the stand knowing that he was hurt and just kind of limping and favoring that. And now he's going to be out a few weeks and he's not going to be was, in the All-Star game probably. Was he already well, – that was must that was injury – Was he was already hurt in that leg? I mean, he had that one leg wrapped up. Uh, it's it seemed that it was wrapped up already. Well, during the game it was. I mean, before, while he was on the bench, it might have been. It might, I'm not sure if it was the same right. leg he had before. A, it, one, one leg was white, and one leg didn't have anything on it. I don't think that he was going for a fashion statement. It looked like that thing was wrapped from his thigh down past his, his knee is what it looked like. For a but, team um, that's trying to get into the playoffs and not definitely right. in as of right now, and you saw what Dallas did, maybe other teams making moves, that's, it's a critical stage for them. I'm hoping he's not going to miss too much time for their sake. But if he does, I mean, they're still good, but Clay's not playing every game. Uh, you still got other issues there. They really need Steph Curry. He's been, of course, yeah. their best player. So it's going to be hard to win for a long period of time without him. Yeah. Did, did you see that fight? with um, Mo Bamba and uh, Austin Rivers. <laughs> that was crazy. You know, I thought when one angle showed behind the basket, Austin Rivers is really, to me, more at fault. He left the playing court to go to the bench. People are blaming yeah. Mo Bamba for getting in a fight when you're in, the, in sweat. But Austin Rivers left the court. He went out of bounds to go after him. So, of course, Mo well, Bamba's he went up to Well, he up. went up to his face to say, what, what's up or something, and he responded. I think they're both, I don't know. Anyway. Okay, sorry. Had to well, fill fun to watch. <laughs> fun to watch. Uh, Hopefully we'll be fun to listen to tomorrow morning (laughs) at 6 o'clock on ESPN Honolulu.